she she is so evil because she recognizes this and it it works for her and she recognizes the beauty in it and she has destroyed it deliberately because she knows how fucking much it's going to annoy the guy who created it Welcome to the podcast at Dawn's House, because what the world needs most right now is a podcast about the Babysitter's Club. I'm Esther. I'm Karen. And I'm Aoife. And today we are talking about Babysitter's Club number 31, Dawn's Wicked Stepsister. Or as I like to call it, the life-changing magic of gaslighting your sister. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. I did not read this one as a kid at all. Um, so I was surprised and delighted and enraged by the twists and turns of the plot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Karen, I believe this was a favourite of yours, yeah? Um, yes, it was definitely one I read a lot of along with the previous one. And I I feel like there were a lot of things that I know as an adult are problematic that I probably didn't recognise as a kid. But I feel really vindicated in my own moral sense because I know that when I read this as a kid, I was like that's not cool <laughs> like there's a lot of stuff that goes on in this book that uh, that really isn't a nice thing to do to your sister uh, as, as Esther has already pointed out um, and I recognized that at the time so which is probably because um, I would have been absolutely fucking stone cold terrified and I would think I would have burned the house down rather than sleep another night in it <laughs> so I knew that that wasn't cool yeah as we know the house does eventually get burned down Ooh. does it the final yeah. book is called the fire at Marianne's house <gasps> Oh. So maybe Marianne comes down to your way, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Jared Mulray is is yeah. uh, back in the back in the game. Yeah, how yeah. many weeks is it that we've tried to record this podcast? We we tried to record this three times before. Jared Mulray cursed us the first time. <laughs> there was tech issues. The second time, one of us had COVID, and the third time, one of us was feeling unwell with not COVID. <laughs> I have. I was the one who had COVID. <laughs> I was the, the I was COVID Mary. <laughs> well, I didn't give it to anybody else. So. I just wasn't going to spread other people's health details out there. <laughs> so I was just trying to like not violate HIPAA or whatever. <laughs> I'm not sure podcasters are covered by HIPAA. We're de- I'm definitely not podcasters in Ireland. Um, this is also <laughs> extremely true. But I'm also trying not to breach GDPR. So, you know. Oh, yeah. Good point. Oh, wow. We, we, we breach our own GDPR so often on this podcast. Yeah, I think it's fine if you breach yourself. It's cool. We're not an organisation collecting d- d- data for belonging to members of the public. Or are we? <laughs> no, please don't. If, if we're an organisation collecting data for members of the public, then one of us has to be the GDPR officer, and I do not want to do that. Oh, yeah, no, that's fair. No, we don't want your data. Nobody give us any data. No, keep your data yeah. to yourselves. Yeah. I mean, that's just solid advice for life, <laughs> <Yes>. generally. <laughs> don't send your data to random podcasters. <laughs> Even if they seem very non-threatening. Like, don't even send your data to apparently reputable companies, generally speaking. Like, just don't. Just, just don't. keep it yourself. Go off grid. <laughs> Live in a box. I don't know. <laughs> Live in an underground tunnel between a house and a barn. Yeah. Go full Jared Mulray. Jared Mulray had the right idea. Anyway, yes, we're here to defeat him and finally get this episode recorded. Uh, we are so glad to finally be here. Um, yeah. Aoife, did you read this before? No, never. This was my first time reading it. Well, you know, three weeks ago was my first time reading it. I did a reread tonight. Um, yeah, so I think I would not have liked it as a kid. I would not have been getting a lot of rereads to read because it's just an awful lot of like people being kind of crap to each other interpersonally. Yeah. Um, and not a ton of babysitting. I it, I have a feeling 
if I had read this, I would remember very, as a child, I would remember very little about it except the, the like, general, the all the illnesses and maladies of the Pikes. I would have been very into that and not really into the A-plot, um, I think. I mean, I'm still, like, that's still my favourite bit of the book. <laughs> not gonna lie. Everybody gets sick. Yeah, it was fun. They all had different illnesses and, you know, I, I did some research and learned some things because of those illnesses such as the date of the introduction of the chicken box vaccine to the United States and whether you should go to hospital with pneumonia or not in all cases. You know, hmm. no, you shouldn't. I just thought you should. And so I was weirded out by the fact that the Pike triplets went to the doctor and they came home. So I had to Google it. <laughs> you know, normal babysitters club fact checking. Yes. Yeah. But I'm, I'm sure everyone who reads these books ends up looking up this stuff. <laughs> but you trying to imply that I'm weird or something? <laughs> I would never. <laughs> it's so hard to tell whether Esther's being sarcastic or not. It's like your sarcastic voice is often very similar to your like normal voice. <laughs> Karen, you have known me longer than anyone outside my family. If you can't tell when I'm being sarcastic, there's no hope for anyone. Yes, exactly. If I can't tell, like it's very subtle sometimes is all I'm saying. I usually am. Okay. <laughs> Good to know. All right. So our covers. Yeah, I think I'd seen the UK cover and I had no idea what was going on in the book. I'm, I kind of like extrapolated that it must have been about Marianne because I'd read some later books and I knew their parents got married. But like that cover just has Dawn sitting on her own looking sad. Yeah. It's just Dawn like emoting. It could be literally any Dawn book. It, it could be any teenage issue book. Yeah. I do love how the... um decor in Don's bedroom is aggressively 90s even though like it's such a massive plot point in this entire series that they live in a quaint old like 18th century farmhouse yes and everything in that you can see on the cover like the the abstract pattern carpet and the storage bed and the fucking office blinds on the window in the background it's all like violently <laughs> early 90s it's it's real bowling alley carpet. Yes. yes. Only it's grey with kind of the little flecks of colour in it are like mint green and baby pink, just pure early 90s. It looks like it smells of burger grease. It does. <laughs> yeah, it should have like just chips scattered yeah, over it. Like bits of chewing gum that have turned black. Yeah. There's also something that is, I'm pretty sure, an unfolded sleeping bag. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, I was like, is that a blanket? And no, it's not. I'm, I'm sure we had the same sleeping bag at home or something incredibly similar to it. Looking at it closer, it might be meant to be like a two-sided kind of comforter type thing. But it looks, my first thought was that that's an unzipped sleeping bag. Yeah, sure. it really looks like that. I think it's a sleeping bag. Like, I, I would... Why would it be a sleeping bag? Yeah, I'm trying to think, is there a scene? Is Was somebody banished to a different room? It, but it wasn't Dawn. I think maybe Marianne has a sleeping bag. Dawn doesn't. Dawn just apparently went into the guest room to sulk next to Marianne's sleeping bag when Marianne was out. <laughs> yes. Yeah, because it kind of looks like, it kind of looks like an unzipped sleeping bag sitting on top of like a... An uncomfortable guest bed. Uncomfortable yeah. guest bed, or actually, it looks like that's a, that's gonna convert into a sofa. Mm. Yeah, because it's got like that. That's not a real mattress on it. That's like a oh. a 
an upholstered cushion, foam cushion, yeah. red cushion thing. Kind of looks like the sort of seats they put in McDonald's to stop you from staying very long. <laughs> that too, but if we assume that that is just an attempt to paint mm-hmm. um, upholstery yes. <laughs> yeah, and, I'm not, sure <laughs> and not actual plastic and not molded plastic, then it actually looks like the sort of furniture you get in like a caravan or a mobile home mm. that needs to convert into a seat during the day. It has storage underneath it to maximize the space and you sleep on the shitty foam mattress at night. Yeah, yeah, but also not for very long. Like that's what it looks like. Um, there is no mention of there being any furniture like this in the book. Yeah, no, there's, there's no way this is Dawn's room and we refuse to accept it. Definitely. No, that, that cover is fake. Yeah. Let's move on. <laughs> Meanwhile, in the American cover, we have like all the drama. Dawn and Marianne are back to back pouting elaborately. Marianne is wearing like violent mom jeans that you would absolutely buy in H&M <laughs> this very day. Yeah. And Jeff Schaefer, who is kind of bafflingly scaled, he's about the size of a four-year-old and has the face of a 15-year-old. Oh, yes, he looks like a hobbit. He's <laughs> looking at them in a way that definitely... He is definitely saying, ladies, am I right? <laughs> like, yep. he is He is a man who has no time for this lady drama. He's, he's Samwise Gamgee has had enough of... Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. The thing that most caught my attention slash irritated me about that cover is the fact that everyone is wearing different stripes. They're all, they're all wearing a jeans and a striped sweatshirt. Yeah. Jeff has like, I think it might be meant to be a rugby shirt. It's either that or a V-neck with like thick horizontal red and green stripes. Dawn is wearing a white with thick red stripe, vertical red stripe sweater. And Marianne is wearing like bright yellow sweater with like navy stripes, horizontal on it. Everyone's stripes are different. Everyone matches really, or clashes really badly. But I have to say, I think they've captured something on this cover pretty well. I think Marianne and Dawn are wearing each other's clothes. Maybe. Because they kind of don't fit right. They also don't, like, look at the outfit Donna's wearing. That's quite Marianne-ish. It's quite conservative. Yeah. Um, while still making a little bit of an effort to be stylish. I can buy that. Whereas Marianne with the, the jeans are kind of a quirky shape. They're like, Marianne, the jeans that Donna's wearing are, are longer, they're straighter. The jeans that Marianne's wearing, as you said, are aggressively mom jeans. <laughs> like they're they're making an effort to be unusual looking jeans, and the the sweatshirt being bright yellow is just a bit like stand outish in a way that I think would be more California casual than Marianne. <laughs> my so my own mother this week um, ordered a pair of mom jeans online and was quite enthusiastic about them and. Um, you know, she's obviously a mother, right? Uh, and when they arrived, she was like, oh no, I can't wear these. They're clown pants. Uh, and so she's had to return them. And I, I, I'm i pretty sure they were exactly this kind of style, uh, which has never been good. I'm sorry. Um, this is a mom jeans hating podcast now. I will say I had a pair that were kind of mom jeans cut as a child and they were great. Do you know why? Because they had turn up at the bottom. And when you turn the turn up up, there were fish there was a cloth sewn inside with fish on it that's awesome they were very very cool also i remember being a little child all my jeans just had elasticated waist it was very easy yes (laughs) that was the only kind of jeans i would wear i remember having one with like a floral waistband as well oh no this is another jeans talk (laughs) yeah listeners i've cut out so much jeans talk from these episodes over the years and you're welcome we're we're sorry but we all we all miss baggy baggy flares so yeah we've never heard about 
jeans with fish inside the turnips before and like that is important that is staying in because everybody needs to hear about this and also like claudia would 1000 percent wear those Claudia, yeah i mean i would wear them now like if they Same. came in 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 37 year old eva size as opposed to nine year old eva size <laughs> for sure and um, they were really cool and i'm like yeah i was i was even aware at the time that like fish and your turnips was like quality that is amazing like 2022 claudia would absolutely have like a tiktok channel where she shows you how to to put um fish in the cuffs of your jeans yeah. sorry yes fish patterned cloth <laughs> no, <laughs> yes i like mean fish. you could probably get some funky cloth and just sh- sew it into the last inch yeah. or two of your jeans and then do the turn up and you would have funky patterns on and i think we should all start doing that yeah hey although you, i won't really learn to sew you've got knee a knee you've got a cold knee with your current jeans that you should get yes, some my fish. current jeans i foolishly accidentally bought a pair of jeans that are a pre-ripped knee um i don't object to this because i want to rip my own jeans or because I hate fashion, it's because like I'm real cold all the time. My right knee has just been so cold all day. I'm not okay with it, and I'm gonna need to learn to sew to put a patch on these. <laughs> the struggle is real. Yeah. Shall we recap this book? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we start like right after the freeze frame cliffhanger from the last book, um, mm-hmm. with Don's mom's wedding bouquet is still flying through the air. <laughs> <laughs> Marianne fucking barrels through everybody. To hear Dawn tell it, Marianne barrels through everybody, almost kills everyone, and catches the bouquet. And Dawn <laughs> is salty. Oh, so unhappy with that. She is extremely unhappy. She admits that there's no reason why she should feel entitled to it, but also she's furious. She's absolutely <laughs> furious. It was her mom's bouquet. She should have caught it. There's no rule that says that, but she should have. Um, that That's really not not a rule like it's not unheard of for daughters to be at their mother's weddings but it's not like the standard thing no and i mean even dawn knows that but like yes she (laughs) claims that marianne's arms grew about five inches and even though she's not terribly coordinated she caught the bouquet so marianne has some sort of cuckolin like warp spasm (laughs) yes catches the bouquet and just pisses dawn off by doing that that's a, an amazing image. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. Kukulin is traditionally represented as having something that looks like a mohawk as well in hairstyles. So like her hair just morphs very briefly <laughs> and she catches the bouquet. Absolutely. The whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Like. <laughs> uh, anyway, I guess Marianne just tried a little harder than I did. Just, it's, it's so passive aggressive. It's so passive aggressive, the whole thing. It's amazing. And she decides that Marianne is just doing it because she's so keen to marry Logan. It, at the uh, age of 13. Yeah. It is it is withering. <laughs> I caught the bouquet at a wedding when I was about 12 as well and was like, ah, cool, you know, and uh, lots of congratulations from all the older women that were there. Um, nobody's very threatened by the 12-year-old. <laughs> no. Yeah. I hope nobody is threatened by anybody catching the bouquet, though, come to think of it like it's... I literally just hope that nobody thinks it's a real thing and that everyone takes it as an amusing contest of athleticism while wearing high heels <laughs> but I just think figured I wouldn't throw one at mine. And I think that yeah. was the right choice. I, I decided not to. I probably said this before, actually, um, because my bouquet had a, a key plastic structural element that would have taken someone's eye out. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's a really good reason. I I did throw mine and one of my small nieces caught it. <laughs> yeah, that's super cute. As far as I know, the other one did not become consumed with resentment of her. <laughs> but I'd have to ask. Yeah. So, yes, Don then 
sort of goes into a montage and recaps her family's life story. Um, the, the, the great tragic romance of Mr. Spear and Sharon Porter. I don't even remember her maiden name. Go me. It's the same as Mrs. Porter the Witch. Yeah, the, that's the most important thing. <laughs> of course. I'm sorry. Where? Yes, where Where was my head at? Um, Dawn is very embarrassed that uh, Richard kissed her mother on the lips in front of absolutely everybody at the wedding, mm-hmm. uh, which really could have been anticipated because <laughs> it typically does happen at a wedding. You guys were mad. We're all keen at them to have a wedding. You wanted a bigger wedding than this. Imagine yes. how embarrassing that would have been, Dawn. Yeah. They might have made out at the altar. They might have got carried away. Richard Spear would never. No. <laughs> Dawn is at like bitch eating crackers with this wedding. Yes, um, absolutely. She, every, just everything is wrong about yeah. the wedding. This is my first mark of a, what the fuck are you using that word for teenager in the late 80s, early 90s, which was, what sore heads? Mm. Which was her comment on the, yes, uh, on, on, on Dawn's family disapproving of Richard because yeah. Dawn, um, Sharon's family, family disapproving of Richard because he's from the wrong side of the tracks. What sore heads? So, yeah. So I had to look up the word. It just sounded so quaint mm-hmm. and uh, like 1950s. And indeed... It it was at its most popular in like the 1920s. Had another big old resurgence around 1950, and the zenith of its popularity was around when Dawn said it, according to Google Engram. The, the opposite of zenith. That's the wrong word. The other, the nadir. The absolute nadir was yes. How its popularity was then? It was real big in the 20s, 30s. Cool. It, it had quite, quite quite a spike again in the early fifties. It's a real, it's that kind of a word, <laughs> but nobody, literally nobody, was using this word when this book, when this book included it, as a normal thing for a, a 12, thirteen year old to say. I don't know. Oh, Anne. <laughs> yeah, it's cute. It's real cute. After the wedding is over, um, Don and the other babysitters are going back to the Spears house to hang out. And as Don says, we were going to sit around and dish about the wedding for a while. Dish means gossip. <laughs> I love that she explains this. And the, the text then self-consciously uses the word dish several more times and annoys me to no end. <laughs> Has Dawn been reading a book of slang terms that doesn't make too many strong chronological differentiations and just gives you the definition and not the era that they belong to all the slang i mean (laughs) i'm gonna go i'm gonna say that maybe anna martin has been doing that (laughs) for sure yeah like dish sounds very like something from like my grandparents generation i have definitely heard dish i couldn't manage to get a good thing at it because I just didn't have any good dated references for like the etymology yeah. obviously engram wasn't going to work for a word that also means plate yeah so. like I might ask you to dish if I knew that you had a specific piece of gossip yes, but like exactly. yeah, sitting yeah. around and just chit chatting about something mm-hmm. and calling that dishing sounds extremely quaint to me yes that is it, yeah that has real early to mid 20th century vibes yeah yeah. <laughs> dish about what happened at the sock hop last night exactly oh yeah we also get uh the the term pda christy is <laughs> uh making fun of the fact that donna marianne's parents kissed in public and she's like pda pda public display of affection which i found kind of hilarious yeah. i mean she's the one whose parents most recently got married so yeah. i don't know what she's talking about unless she's letting off a little steam i suppose <laughs> she's just yeah. trolling them 
I, I was wondering, what are you on about, Christy? Did Watson and Elizabeth not kiss? I think they kissed. <laughs> There's a lot of hypocrisy in this book. <laughs> yes, so much. Christie's is the least of it. Yeah. Christie like comes off fine in this book in general. She does. We can lay off Christie for once. Yeah, our next chapter is the um obligatory here's who's in the babysitter's club. Although I will give Dawn props for saying that she thinks the Kishi should be glad Claudia is reading anything at all. Thank you, Dawn. Yes. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Dawn. We agree. I have to uh I have to call out the uh description of Watson Brewer, this divorced balding millionaire. Yes, it's so scandalous in these books that he's balding. Like that's a lot of dads are balding. Like yeah, it it happens to many men. Like I'm more surprised that apparently every other dad in Stony Brook has all his hair. Like it's it's not that unusual to be balding. He makes such a fuss about Watson. I was like, this is a really normal state for a man in his middle years to be in. This yeah, is fine. It's fine. Maybe it's a real toupee kind of town. And just Watson is like refusing to go with the flow. Go Watson. He's going natural. He's got his real scalp out on show. Good for him. (laughs) Maybe that's it. Everyone else has got wigs. She also describes Stacey as not at all stuck up, which is just a lie. Yeah. (laughs) And she does say in italics that Stacey comes from New York City. She does. That does get its own italics. Don, we thought you were more chill than that. Um, I also love that, that... uh, Claudia and Stacy are alike because they're both sophisticated and have sometimes boyfriends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's yeah, that's enough to build a friendship on. I think when I was, I think when I was like ten, eleven, reading these books, I got, I knew what that meant. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. They, they would, they, they obviously do have a lot in common. Like no, they're, they're I... in all this stuff that I would never want to talk to them about. Okay, yeah, that's fair. It's think... just kind of a funny way of putting it, though. It is. But it's a good kind of shortcut for, shorthand for that. I'm like, yeah. yeah. Can I, for possibly the last time, although I can't promise anything, <laughs> um, take a segue into the junk food? Always. Go on. Yes. I love it. Claudia uh, has, she's got ring dings, ho-hos, yodels, potato chips, gum, and other stuff in every nook and cranny. So apart from that, just sound real unfortunate. Um, especially the gum <laughs> kind of situation. Uh, I think we have not featured yodels before. No, I don't think so. And when I looked up yodels, they're another fucking like chocolate and cream snack cake. <laughs> like, like Anna Martin lists a load of stuff like there's a big range. But actually what she's effectively saying is like, oh, she's got every kind of candy from Smarties to M&M's. It's like they're all the fucking same thing. They're all a variation on a Cadbury's like um mini roll for for the the European listeners. <laughs> um they they they're not different. Why do you list all of these things separately? <laughs> also, I mean, it's fine if Claude likes a particular type of thing, but it's it's not it's it she she doesn't have like a whole shop's worth of stuff there. She just happens to like cake. <laughs> yeah. I'm disappointed in Claudia now. Like it was much more impressive before we knew what all these things were. And they're all kind of the same, except some of them are inferior, apparently. The thing is, like, I mean, we all have a great variety of, like, cake snacks, individually wrapped mm. cake snacks here. But, like, you could very easily have, like, a half a dozen or a dozen, like, types of random, crappy, cheap sweets that 12, 13-year-olds eat. Like, very easily, like... I think she's trying to go for some sort of like roll doll describing a street shop vibe, but she really only eats like baked goods. 
It just doesn't remember, doesn't know the names of the the other sweets that you stop eating after you reach adolescence. Yeah, Anne needed to do what she did with the like teen fashion catalogs. She needed to like go to a grocery shop and take some notes and get some get some different names for stuff. She did, but she was only looking at one shelf, and then she was like, "That'll do." <laughs> yes, she would go to the like cakes cake based snack aisle. <laughs> And, and note those down, and there we've got all the, the, the tasty cakes and the yodels and the ding-dongs and the ring-dings and the ho-hos. They're all the same! <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's what gets us cancelled, me saying that. The junk food fandom is going to come for us. Oh no. <laughs> They're probably all wildly different. We can't get any of them in this country, so we don't know. Okay, it's just that the description of them is like, they are seem to be variations on a very similar theme. They're variations of sponge cake and goo. Yeah. All right, guys, for once... I'm giving you permission to at us. If we're missing some nuance between all these different kinds of chocolate cake with goo, enlighten us. Or send us some because we will not understand the differences. Definitely Ooh. send us some. That would be amazing. <laughs> yes. Let's get a PO box. For research. Definitely. <laughs> so yeah, Dawn and Marianne have a terrifying night. Um, yes, as as is the way with these books, you know, Anne is laying out the themes of the novel and the theme of this novel is scary noises at night. Mm. So Dawn and Marianne, um, they spend the night alone at Marianne's house and are terrorised by scary noises at night. Uh, they wake up many, many, many times. Marianne reminisces about the phantom phone caller, which Dawn has apparently never heard of. There are creaking noises. They are traumatised. We have been set up for the idea that sometimes... Noises at night are scary. I, I felt this though because like I I never I still don't really like spending the night alone at home. It's much better when you have cats and you can just be like, oh yeah, that's no, that's just the cats fucking around, it's fine. Um this is <laughs> this isn't something I have to worry about. Uh, but uh, yeah, I sympathized strongly with them. I would have been sitting up in bed going, ah, especially since there is a known supernatural entity. That is true. Yeah, that probably would have been more of it than being on my own, but yeah. It is just hilariously preparing the ground for what comes later. Though. It really is. Hey, hey, you guys, remember scary noises? <laughs> like these people, these kids have never given any, any indication before that they're afraid to spend a night on their own. Now they are. Yeah. It's, well, it never came up before. Also, um, she and Marianne possibly had watched a scary movie, which considering what Marianne's taste in horror novels is, like I can only assume was something fucking traumatizing. Um, <laughs> like they watched it or Hellraiser or something <laughs> or The Exorcist and yeah got the heebie-jeebies <laughs> Is it an unspecified horror movie? Yeah she just says scary movie I'm amazed Marianne like agreed to that Marianne is a Stephen King stan though oh, Yeah yeah, I'd forgotten that Marianne has layers Oh yeah no they were fully watching It Marianne is just afraid of real life but she apparently <laughs> really likes horror <laughs> So yes, the next morning, um, the 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 newlyweds turn up. Uh, Jeff Schaefer turns up. He's still calling Richard Sir. Yeah, but like Richard just said, Jeff had a fine time at the Pikes last night, didn't you, Jeff? Like, like he thought that was normal. <laughs> so of course, Jeff said yes, sir. Because what the fuck do you say to that? That is the most out of touch, grown up thing to say. Yes, they're both equally bad at this. There isn't even yeah. a good response you can make to that. No. Like, yes, sir, is probably the safest thing you can say. <laughs> yeah, I quite like their mutual awkwardness. I think it's yes. um, it, it's it's it reads quite believable. Um. Yes, <laughs> it really does. 
Because they have spent almost no time together. I die inside a little for both of them. And and like Richard is really an awkward guy and yes. Jeff is a yes. preteen boy. So neither of them has the skills for this. No, uh, they're terrible at it. Neither of them is going to be able to compensate for the other one. And it just, yeah. They're just yeah. being polite to each other until one of them can leave. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it's Jeff. That's really sad, but also, you know, whatever works. <laughs> yeah, they get through it. Um, so yes, the plan is that today, um, Marianne and her dad are moving into Don's house. So the movers turn up and start moving everything out. And Claudia and everybody else comes by to say goodbye. And Marianne immediately um, falls to pieces. Uh, mm. She goes, I don't want to leave. I've never lived anywhere but here. Um Dawn is really annoyed because she wants, because she's excited to have Marianne live with her, um, but also she feels bad because Marianne is upset, so she's mad at Marianne for being upset and thus making her feel bad. Yeah, so basically Dawn feels excited, then she feels guilty for feeling excited, then she's mad at Marianne because she feels guilty. Yeah. Feeling guilty is no fun. She just (laughs) wants to be excited. Meanwhile, Marianne is crying as the movers are taking boxes of cleaning supplies out of the house which is hilarious <laughs> that's my febreze we had such good times yeah it's coming with you to your new house <laughs> but it won't be the same <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yes people are coming by with casseroles and good wishes and brownies and flowers and marianne is in hysterics <laughs> and don is getting angrier and angrier and also wondering if it's because marianne is sleep deprived and couldn't possibly be because like Marianne has picked up on the rage emanating from Dawn at this point. <laughs> the sleep deprivation probably doesn't help at all. Um, no. no. But like also Dawn really should have seen this coming. Like this is just Marianne being extremely in character. Yeah. They're also bad at moving house with a cat. Marianne has not yeah. planned for this. Mm. So they move into the house and then Tigger promptly like gets lost and upset wandering around the house. So Marianne's response is to let him continue to wander around the house and be upset and lost. Uh, which, yeah, is not how you are meant to do that. Oh yeah, and then like she keeps when the movers are there, she keeps exclaiming, jumping around and saying, "There's Tigger! Don't step on him! Don't let him out! Don't drop that chair on him! Put him in a room! Yeah, shut the door, Marianne! I don't have a cat. I've never moved house with a cat, but." Come on. The solution to this is extremely simple. The yeah. solution to this is please inconvenience the cat for a little while. No, but like the cat, what the cat wants to do is hide under the couch until the uh, the scary noises um, yeah. go away and the smells start to become more familiar. Yeah. And when it's nice and quiet, the cat will come out and sniff around the place and get used to it. Not yeah. like this dodge the- builders, like it's a fucking <laughs> video arcade game yes. of some description. <laughs> Frogger extremely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. This is not serving the cat any more than anyone else. Uh, yep. Yeah, Marianne is being a bit useless. <laughs> yeah. um, but then as a fun activity, uh, Dawn suggests that they borrow outfits from each other to wear to school the next day. Um, and Marianne kind of cheers up with the idea of this because this seems like the kind of thing that sisters would do. <laughs> Ill-fitting outfits that don't, <laughs> <laughs> yes. don't, don't suit their personal styles at all. Yeah. Jeff makes a formal departure back to L.A., uh, he shakes hand with Richard and says, goodbye, sir. Um, and also um, prophetically says that he thinks this new family is going to have some trouble because Marianne has been acting weird. Um, and on that note, off he goes. 
Bye now. <laughs> yeah, we then get a chapter explaining what the Babysitter's Club is. A uh, side note that Marianne screamed in horror when she found bean sprouts being sprouted in the fridge. Marianne is just too delicate. So weird. I mean, like, even if they did sprout, like, they're just little clean plants. Yeah, like, it's a plant. It's not it's like fine. it's mold. It's fine. Did I tell you about the bean sprout thing that happened in my shower? A long time ago. I think I've heard it, but I can't remember it. So please tell me again. Okay. Um. Yeah, so... Years ago, my a friend of mine gave me a um like a shower scrub bar from Lush, which always have weird natural TM stuff in it, and uh, this had aduki beans. <clears throat> um, and I put this in the shower, which was kind of a weird high tech one that had a shelf high up, and I left it on the shelf, and I kind of forgot about it. And when I <laughs> I came back to it several months later <laughs> and discovered that the nature had taken its course and the beans had sprouted and I had a beautiful bar of soap with beans growing out of it. Um, and uh, <laughs> I brought it downstairs and was like, guys, look at this, look what happened. And my dad was like, oh yeah, I saw that, but I wasn't going near it. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. If it was growing on a bar of soap, I think it's more inclined to be alarming. If it's in yes. like a nice little tub in the fridge, you would probably assume it was food. Yeah, it's a vegetable. But Mariana's theatrically performatively like bad about vegetables in this book yeah she's she's really not on her best cut a bitch form like no, no. bitches are cut in this book no <laughs> she just mopes around the place and is kind of annoying that said it doesn't excuse what dawn does later on no yeah. but the the best marianne will do in this is like passive aggressively annoy a bitch to death which is just not <laughs> as fun to watch yeah see so, yeah nothing much happens in this chapter except that they are passing around the snacks. Stacy doesn't take any because her doctor has told her to be stricter than usual about snacking, which I think is the second book in a row where we've had this mentioned. Mm-hmm. I assume is being set up for something in the future. There is there is definitely a book coming in which she has um, some trouble with her diabetes. Yeah. Okay. But I don't know if it's, I don't know how far away it is in the offing. It could be quite soon, actually. Yeah. Cool. There, there's some kind of pancreas trouble on the horizon Uh, but in the short term Mallory doesn't feel too good either dun 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 Dun, dun, dun. in the next chapter she's got chicken pox yep uh, which we're told is the beginning of the pike plague (laughs) and I had to check the vaccine became available in the United States in 1995 it had already been available in uh, Japan since 1986 Korea since 1988 now you know only in the last couple of years in Ireland that people are starting to get offered it, but you still have to pay for it. <laughs> yes, and it's vastly expensive. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yes, Mallory has already had the chicken pox, but she's caught it again. So now everyone else is afraid that they might be reinfected as well. So they're all in kind of a panic. Um, so everybody has to cover for Mallory's uh, babysitting jobs. So there's a job looking after the Perkins girls coming up. And Dawn and Marianne both want it. And Marianne wants it because she loves the Perkinses and they live next door to her old house. And Dawn wants it because she wants extra money to save up to buy Marianne and now her sister's present. Dawn decides to be a real bitch about this, which is (laughs) psychologically complex because she's like, fuck you, Marianne. I want this money so I can do something nice for you. (laughs) <laughs> Why don't you understand this, even though it's a surprise and I haven't told you about it? Yes. <laughs> it turns out that the real life sister that I've acquired has a mind of her own and isn't nearly as malleable as the sister I imagined having who did all the things 
that I wanted her to. The audacity. Marianne responds by fat shaming her. <laughs> yeah. Marianne fat shames people. Yes. Like, in, this yeah. is not the first book that this has happened in. No. Yeah. So Dawn is wearing a skirt borrowed from Marianne and Marianne, as soon as she gets annoyed, starts to make noises about it being too tight on Dawn, which everybody theatrically gasps at. Uh, yes. Good. <laughs> like, like peer pressure her into not saying shit like that, guys. Yeah. I don't know. I, I see it as like they're kind of encouraging her by giving her the response she wanted. Yeah. They're like, no. oh, sick burn. Yeah, that is not, that is not, oh my God, I can't believe she said, you can't say that to people. That is like, yeah, it's exactly, it's like, oh, look what she just said. Oh, it's a good fight now. I've never, I've never really subscribed to the don't feed the trolls mm. kind of thing. Um, I feel like once it's out there, sometimes you just need to respond to it. But yeah, I, they could probably have been more open in their condemnation of matching. But it's the 80s of their teenage girls. So. I think they're just lined up eating popcorn. I think Claudia is <laughs> handing out popcorn from under the bed. Yeah. There is no condemnation of the fat shaming. There is no, no. concept of fat shaming. No. Of yep. course you would make fun of somebody for being fat. How else would you react from, to, to somebody whose body was that size? It's just shitty. Yeah. And there's no, there's no getting away from it. Christy, to her credit, has no patience for this. Uh, she's mm-hmm. like, this is ridiculous. What is wrong with the pair of you? Um, she and Stacy performatively, like, debate which of them will get a job and they politely offer it to each other. And Christy is like, yes, this is how we do it. Now do this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> See, so- that wasn't so hard. Yes. Order, cried Christy. This is extremely unprofessional, unbusinesslike behaviour. As president, I won't stand for it. None of you other members should either. Now let's get this thing settled. You know, this is Christy. This is presidential. Yeah. You know, yeah. This is why yes. Christy. Every now and again, every few books, we get reminded of why Christy has this job. And it's so she can call out the other girls and their bullshit. She's not afraid to call out unprofessional, unbusinesslike behaviour when it occurs during a meeting. <laughs> other people should do it to her more often. What? <laughs> yes. <laughs> But right now she is exactly what they need. So she uh, humiliates them by making them draw straws. Uh, Marianne gets the job. Uh, Dawn decides that maybe this means that having stepsisters isn't all it's cracked up to be. She's only annoyed because she's trying to buy Marianne a present. <laughs> this is no. Marianne has not done anything wrong. Marianne. Well, I mean, uh, Marianne has absolutely done something wrong. Well, yes. She hasn't done anything wrong about the babysitting job. Yes. Sorry. No, Marianne did not wrong Dawn by getting the babysitting job. Yeah. Marianne has, however, been a bitch. Sorry, yes. You're absolutely right. I was I was focused on one issue and I forgot about the other one that we were really mad about 30 seconds ago. <laughs> yeah, but that was like, that was, a, that was in the past. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I can see how Dawn would like add the real grievance to the imagined grievance and be extra grieved. Like, <laughs> all I wanted to do was buy her a present and she doesn't appreciate that because she doesn't know about it. And then also she called me fat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, dear. So, yeah, I also love the detail that like the a couple of days later, Marianne comes home from the babysitting job and Dawn is... Very on brand, eating a granola bar and reading a book called Ghosts, Fact and Fantasy. (laughs) I love that book title. It's like, you know, we're a book about ghosts, but we're going to cut through the bullshit and get you the hard facts about (laughs) ghosts. We're a science book about ghosts. That is exactly the sort of book about ghosts that I repeatedly took out of the library as, as, as a young teenager. Yes. 
you you got to know the facts, you know? I remember there was a series of Osborne books and they were usually like on science topics, but there was one on the paranormal. Yes. We had that and we read it to bits. It was so good. It was so good. It had such scary photographs in it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I remember some of those. And scary drawings as well. Yeah. It was brilliant. It was awesome. But they were true photographs and drawings of real ghosts that had happened. Exactly. You could tell because it was a science book. Yeah, it was an Osborne book. Osborne wouldn't mislead us. (laughs) Yeah. They give the kids what they want. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Ghosts. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. They kind of bond because, like, Dawn loves the Perkinses so much she wants to hear all about the me and cute, despite herself. Mm -hmm. So Marianne tells her cute anecdotes about what they've been up to. I noticed that Mariah Perkins decided to write a letter to the president. And I feel like Mariah Perkins is like spiritual kin to the girl who tried to perform Stop Picking on the President at camp. (laughs) Because her letter to the president goes, Dear Mr. President, I lost a tooth. It was a bottom tooth. I put it under my pillow and the tooth fairy came. She left me a prize. I just thought you would want to know. Love, Mariah. Please, P.S. Keep up the good work. (laughs) Dear Mariah, fuck you. Bush Senior. Bush Senior. Ronnie. <laughs> no, it wasn't Reagan anymore. It was Bush Senior at this stage. Oh, okay, fair enough. I, I, I checked. <laughs> I know you did say Bush Senior several times, but you know, I wanted <laughs> yeah. to invoke the ghost of Ronald Reagan. Oh yeah. <laughs> to be fair, I'm assuming that that's down to Mariah being a very small child who has no idea what the president has done or not done, and is just like president. That's like a real important guy. He's he a good works guy. hard to keep America America. Well done. That's a slippery slope. Uh-huh. Do you know who her her closest proxy is? Who? Christy, the president of the Babysitter's Club, who would fully enjoy being sent a letter about Mariah's lost tooth. That's true. So uh, obviously the president of the United States will also want to know about it. <laughs> yes. The president of the United States is just a big version of Christie. I wonder if Mariah is imagining Bush Senior sitting in the desk behind the desk at the White House wearing a turtleneck and a sweater and a baseball cup with a collie on. Yeah. Yes. In a director's chair. Uh, yeah, with a, with a visor on. And a pencil behind his ear. <laughs> yes. Oh, if only. Um, yeah, but Mariah has already given some fairly good advice on the subject of world peace, if we recall. That's um, true. So maybe she should be sending that instead of like her... News about her fucking dentistry. She also sends a fan letter to Cam Geary, which is adorable. I think she's just um like <laughs> she's just doing that for Marianne's benefit. She's probably doing it to butter Marianne up. She's like, yes. now Marianne is gonna like me more because now Marianne, let's do one for you. <laughs> I know what you really like. You're not interested in politics, Marianne, so I'll write one to your favorite celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, they bond. They feel a bit better. Uh, Dawn has forgiven Marianne for her various crimes. <laughs> um, our next chapter is is the Pikes. Yeah, uh, the Pikes are diseased as hell. <laughs> uh, we open hilariously with Claudia has babysat the Pikes and written it up in the club notebook and just writes a really passive aggressive letter to Mallory about how annoying Mallory was. <laughs> yes, it's great. I'm gonna read it out. <laughs> it's so good. Saturday. Yesterday, I sat at the Pike House. Boy, was Mal a pain. Sorry, you will read this when you're better, Mal, but you were a pain. Maybe you didn't lick being babysat for again, but I couldn't help it. Your mother called because she needed to take the triplets to the doctor, so that left you and Nikki and your sister. I hope you feel better soon. Really, I do. Really. (laughs) I love this. It's so petty. It's so needless. I mean, we already know that they don't get on. Yep. It's fair. 
they probably get on the worst of any two. Yes, very possibly. Um, So yes, Mallory is whiny. Mm -hmm. Claudia is not allowed to go near her in case she catches chicken pox again so she can only talk to her through a crack in the door. Yes. The triplets have all gone to the GP. No, they've gone to the pediatrician. Sorry, the pediatrician, my mistake. Probably. No, I don't know if it is. I'm just assuming that they've gone to a necessary specialist. Yeah. Um, And the remaining kids are all playing hospital, uh, which is very cute, except for Nikki and the obligatory toxic masculinity about how doctors are men and nurses are women. And Vanessa's like, literally, our doctor is a woman. And he's like, well, I'm not being a male nurse. Yes, Claire is playing that she's been in a horrible accident. Uh... But when um, Nikki says that Claire crashed into a truck, Claire insists that the accident was the truck's fault. (laughs) She pops up from unconsciousness. To say, the truck ran into me! (laughs) You should see the truck! (laughs) And Mallory announces that she wants to take a baking soda bath to help with the itching. And Claudia is like, I can't put you in the bath. I'm minding so many of your siblings right now. (laughs) (laughs) And like, you're a you're an 11 year old and I'm 13. Yeah. This isn't like me bathing a two year old. No. I can't, I can't help you with this, Mel. Yeah. You're just going to have to wait. <laughs> Your mom is going to be home in like 40 minutes. Okay? I mean, the other thing is like, sure, Mallory, why don't you get out of bed and run a bath? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. You know actually. how to do that. You're you 11. At 11, yeah. You could probably yeah. do that. Either do it yourself or just wait for your mother. <laughs> but like, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah I, I, so, yes. Hence Claudia writing passive aggressive notes in the club notebook later on. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> so um yes, Mrs. Pike eventually returns with the triplets who all have pneumonia. Uh so they all have to get stuck in their bedroom. And Mrs. Pike is like, I sure hope everyone else doesn't get sick. What what? <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, don't say that, lady. Come on, uh, you know how this is gonna go. Yeah. If I had eight kids, I wouldn't be tempting fate like that. Yep. <laughs> I would just never express any kind of hope or fear. <laughs> this is the pike household we don't talk about the future ever no you would you would have to do a sort of radical mindfulness thing where you literally only ever thought about the present because that was all you could cope with i mean i'm pretty sure that's how the pikes co- deal it might also be how they ended up with eight kids in the first place that's true. <laughs> entirely likely are we having another baby I don't know. <laughs> I think what happened with the Pikes was the se- their second child was the triplets. Mm. And after that, that just broke them. <laughs> well, in for a penny. <laughs> yeah, basically, they went from we have a two-year-old to we have four under twos. Let's have four more. Yeah. And then they were just like, oh, we don't care anymore. Nothing could affect us now. <laughs> We've been through that. We got the the triplets, like, potty trained. We can do anything. That's what I was thinking. Maybe the triplets were like very, like surprisingly easy babies. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, this isn't so bad, actually. Yeah, let's 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 have some more. Because they have Vanessa when the triplets were one. Could you imagine like no. actually being like, I will just voluntarily have another child now. No. My triplets are <laughs> months old. I'm glad I'm pregnant. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> no, no, I could not. Mrs. Pike is made of sterner stuff. (laughs) Obviously, I like... Mrs. Pike is made of titanium. Yeah. Well, maybe they had like an agreement that like, right, we need eight kids. We need them as fast as possible. Okay, we've got a three for one deal. Great. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. we can't stop here though. Let's keep going. And then like when Claire arrived, they were like, we're done. We've we've reached the quota. (laughs) I mean, I guess. Thank God. Tie those tubes. (laughs) I mean... 
they have a five-year-old and no more kids afterwards. So they are yeah. done. Yes. That's a real interesting story there. I don't know what their rationale is. Like, <laughs> We want to know more about the Pike's fertility status. Yeah. My favourite line in that chapter, though, is like Vanessa being all dramatic, saying, I can't find a pulse. And, and Margot being like, it's in her wrist, dummy. <laughs> <laughs> Margot's got a good career ahead of her as a nurse. Like, <laughs> yes. yeah. Dealing with these excitable doctors who think they can't find a pulse, but they just haven't looked hard enough in the places where there's a pulse. <laughs> Staying calm and keeping them focused on the basics. <laughs> Oh, I love it. So yeah, we then get a chapter about weekends at the Schaefer Spear House. Mm. Oh my God, this chapter mm-hmm. is a lot. I, I have highlighted mm-hmm. so much. So Dawn outlines the terrible crimes of Richard Spear. Uh, namely, he has organized the kitchen. It sounds like he is trying out for like being a kitchen Instagram influencer. <laughs> uh, he has put little dividers in the kitchen drawers and containers to keep the different foods separate in the fridge. This sounds very soothing and calming to me. I know. <laughs> like, can Richard come sort my kitchen out? I know. Like, I just, I want to see pictures of all of this. Our drawers already have dividers in them and it's very good and in some of the drawers I put boxes in to be dividers for awkwardly shaped things. Oh yeah, you gotta. Like I'm very upset by the idea that before he moved in all their cutlery was just loose in one drawer. Like (laughs) fucking barbarians. I've been in houses where that happens and it's no way to live. That's awful. No way to live. Yeah. I've never seen that happen unless the people were actually moving. I've seen it I think that drawers I'm thinking of where that happened were like drawers in like a caravan or a holiday hall or a, you know, that kind of thing where people didn't live permanently and they could put up with it for a little while and no one ever got around to getting a divider. Yeah. Because you were only there for a short while. But it it's still no way to live. You're like yeah. trying to fish through <laughs> everything to find a fucking spoon. Horrible. And you know there's crumbs in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's crumbs in mine and I have dividers, but... Well, yeah, but... The the idea of like a, a whole just tray full of loose mixed cutlery plus crumbs it yes. like makes me feel sad on a soul level. So yeah, then Mr. Spear gets up, he reads the he makes himself some coffee early on. Uh he reads the newspaper in a specific order, which hurts nobody and affects nobody but himself. He drinks his coffee, he cleans up after himself, he cooks a breakfast for everyone. Uh, nobody bothers coming down in a timely manner. No, okay. On this front, he gets up at 6am at the weekend. If somebody had breakfast ready for me at 7am the weekend, after the first time, I would be like, or even 8, I would be like, I'm not usually up before 9. Um, you know, I, it's so good of you to make me breakfast, but just in future, if you're making it at 8, um, just don't include me because I'm not going to be up before 9. But this was delicious. Thank you. Yeah, no, you 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 have a point. Um, I'm I'm being theatrically pro Richard here just because like he's made me very happy with his fridge setup. The drawer organizers. Yeah, no, you gotta cut him on some slack for that, and he'll need the slack later. Also, why is Don? Yes, he certainly will. Why is Don so disgusted at the fact that like he reads the paper and cleans up his coffee mug? Because she's in bitch eating crackers mode about Marianne and Richard being in in her house and her life and everything being different now. That's why. Like elements of what Richards is doing would actually suit Dawn quite well because it sounds like she's an early riser because she's seen him get up at 6am and clean the kitchen and read the paper and mind his own fucking business and bother nobody. Yes. Like, and she's, she's there to judge him. Yeah, being like you 
fucking monster reading the <laughs> business section and then the international news. The rest of us come downstairs all bleary-eyed anywhere from 8 o'clock until 10 o'clock. Lies, Dawn. You were up because you know what Richard was up to. <laughs> Unless you've got like cameras installed downstairs, in which case... Unless at some point he informed them all of this, that this is what he does, including the sections of the paper. That's actually entirely possible. <laughs> that Now that's a, if he's doing that, then okay, I actually see Dawn's point, but this is, she's not telling us where she got this information. So I presume she just was there at some point. She's been sitting there in her dressing gown glowering at him and he's wondering <laughs> what he's doing wrong. Okay. It is pretty weird that he makes a big cook breakfast for everyone but has failed to notice that his wife obviously doesn't eat the bacon he gives her because she's a vegetarian and also doesn't like the waffles or pancakes that he makes. So I'm not sure what she is eating, like a sad slice of fried tomato or whatever, but like he does need to pay a bit more attention to the reception his cooking is getting. I think she half-heartedly eats a waffle or a pancake. Yeah. You know. Maybe. How can you not like waffles and pancakes? But that's an aside. Um, Yeah. She's a monster. But also making people, repeatedly making people food that A, she she doesn't eat because she's a vegetarian. Yeah. yeah. But also B, she doesn't eat because she doesn't like is really passive aggressive. Yes. Like, I think I would ask if somebody was like clearly desperately choking something down that I yeah. had cooked for them. I'd be like, listen, we don't have to do this. <laughs> what would you like me to make instead? Like, was that so hard? Or alternatively, would you like... To wait and have a bowl of cereal at 10 when you come down, which you can fix yourself and, you know, yeah, that's also fine. <laughs> I, I think that the biggest thing, fair enough, maybe Sharon's just really polite about eating the waffle and he just doesn't realise, but like, who the fuck makes bacon for a vegetarian every yes. weekend and like puts it on their plate and then they don't eat it? Like... Every weekend without, like... If nothing else, it's a terrible waste. Yeah. He knows she's a vegetarian. Uh, like, if it's like, oh, you're not going to eat that bacon, honey, I'm going to eat it. <laughs> that would get old after, like, two weeks. Like, just eat the fucking bacon. Make twice as much bacon if that's what you want to eat, Richard. <laughs> it's between you and your cardiologist. Whatever about not knowing, not realising that she doesn't really like pancakes and waffles... Maybe she can say, like, he knows she doesn't eat meat. Yeah. Like, why would you put meat on the plate of your beloved spouse <laughs> when you know they're a vegetarian? It is just a dick move. Do you know what, though? I'll tell you what would induce me to serve passive-aggressive bacon to a beloved spouse week after week. <laughs> what? If they left their fucking pyjamas on the floor and wet towels all over the bathroom for me to clean up week after week. I think we should just read the next bit there. Like, so, you know, after breakfast, mom strews the newspaper all over the living room while she reads it. And Richard tidies it up and puts the sections back together again in order. What's the point? We're just going to get rid of it. Kind of. But, you know, he tidies up after her. Then mom goes upstairs, she has a dress and she leaves her nightgown on the floor and wet towels all over the bathroom. Richard comes along and picks everything up. And then Sharon is all like, I can clean up after myself. And Richard says, but you never do. I'm like, yeah. Someone's getting bacon next week. <laughs> yeah. We know that Sharon, like, we know from Dawn, the snoop, that Sharon actually doesn't clean up after herself. Yeah. But also, she apparently yeah. has never given the opportunity to. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, 
the thing is, right, I, I can't understand why they have not had these conversations before they moved in together. Yes, yes exactly. This was very stupid. They, it's so clear this is going to happen. Um, like, and no, Dawn's mom doesn't clean up after herself. Her 13-year-old daughter cleans up after her, actually. Yeah. And mm. now Richard does. And maybe eventually she would. But there is, as the neater one in the relationship, there is a limit to how long you can wait for somebody to fucking clean up after themselves. Particularly if there's four people in the house. Like, you can't leave all your crap all over the bathroom. And my experience is people don't either. If if you're comfortable with leaving it for, like, the whole day, you're comfortable just leaving yeah. whatever. You're going like, to leave it yeah. for a time that is intolerable. <laughs> if you're going to leave it for more than, like, two, three hours... You're going to leave it for an, forever. And it's damp. And it's damp towels. You can smell the towels off this story. If you don't hang the towel up, it gets smelly. Immediately it gets smelly. Within like three hours, it stinks. You yeah. Just don't. Yeah. Yeah. Th- this goes on. Um, there's there's a lot of back and forth. Um, so Sharon makes dinner. It's always vegetarian. Uh, Marianne and Richard whine about it. Uh Sharon is not interested in cooking meat for them. Uh, Dawn thinks her mom is too rude about not wanting to cook meat for them. I actually think this is the one time that Sharon has a point. Then mom goes off and watches TV. Richard waits until he can't stand it any longer. Then he makes Marianne and me help him clean up the kitchen. This really is not fair. Not that Marianne and I have to help him, but that he has to clean up the kitchen again, because, of course, he cleaned it up after breakfast. The problem here is not that Mum would never clean up the kitchen, but that she might not get to it till the next day. She's just loose about those things, and Richard is rigid about them. I can't imagine why I didn't see these problems before they got married. Don, this was not your problem to see. I don't know why Richard and Sharon didn't see these problems. My thing with the... You know, she's going to do it the next day. She probably would. I mean, to be honest with you, I am not a do the washing up the same night person. But I've already warned Rick, when we move in with my parents while we're building a house, we're going to become washing up the same before we go to bed, people, because my dad will Richard Spear about it. (laughs) And the reason that Richard Spear is absolutely right to get annoyed and do the washing up is because he gets up at 6 a.m. If... He gets up in the morning, he'll have to clean the kitchen before he makes his yes. coffee and has his newspaper. Mm-hmm. He'll be the one who has to make his breakfast in an upsettingly dirty kitchen. Like, no, Sharon can't do it the next day because Richard will be up early using the kitchen early and mess bothers him. She has to change her habits and do it that night. This book is such a good advertisement for living together before you get married. Oh my god. Yes. And also, Richard, if you want to eat me for your dinner, cook the fucking dinner. Yes. Oh my god. Yeah. No, Richard continuing to offer meat to Sharon when she has refused him so many times. He offered her some veal at their wedding. Yeah. That's like, that's not just meat. That's extreme meat. Yes. That's like fucking foie gras. That's advanced level meat. That's like, here, do you want to eat this live fish that I just speared? (laughs) I know it's still wiggling, but just get it down. Go on, you know, just like, hold your nose. (laughs) Lots of meat eaters won't eat that. That's, that was ridiculous. I think it's, I think it's just this, like, I guess the attitude is really like almost gone now, but there was just this thing of being vegetarian is just like, an affectation and they really need to get over it it's so awkward for everyone else yeah oh my god i just had a vision of like modern day richard feeding someone gluten because he thinks that like being gluten-free is an affectation (laughs) oh boy you wouldn't want to be like celiac in the 80s christ esther didn't you um stay with cousins in 
like <laughs> darkest west of Ireland who um, served you and your dad a giant fry in the morning? <laughs> yes, that is correct. <laughs> they, they were running a B&B and they did not know we were Jewish. They okay. were distant cousins on my mother's side. Yes, we were staying at their B&B and they were like, hey, good news, we made you a huge fry up. Oh no. Me and my dad kind of looked at each other and went, well, there's no way out of this situation. Gotta take this bullet. <laughs> and proceeded to very much enjoy eating this huge, very tasty fry up. <laughs> and then never speak of it again. But uh, yes, this was this was not actually an act of passive aggression. This was... Um, they just, didn't know. Yes, this was an honest misunderstanding. A, a, a cultural mishap. Yes. Yes. <laughs> No, that's that's fair. If you didn't know, no, <laughs> it's not like, hmm. Do you know what these Jews need? <laughs> they need <laughs> well, also, I mean, and also, like, I don't think it would have crossed my mind to occur to me. <laughs> it's a pretty obscure, like, scenario that, like, your, your random house guest surprise turned out to be Jewish. That like, you're that's... related to yeah. when <laughs> you didn't know there was anyone in the family who wasn't Catholic. Yeah, no, that's not <laughs> something I could have expected them to anticipate, but it was a hilarious, like, mishap. I like the the, the, the shared look of, no, we're just going to have to do this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's pretend to be unhappy about this. Okay. <laughs> I think there may have also been a time in Irish B&Bs where you ate what you were given. And nowadays they will at least kind of ask you what you want. <laughs> there there might be a few options, not like a, a huge amount, but they'll probably have like cornflakes for you if you're not a, if you're not a Yeah, I, I think that's it. It's like cereal, toast, the fry and you can always ask them for certain elements not yes. included in the yeah. fry i know. think this was just like the assumption was the fry was the best breakfast so yes. obviously so, we would want the best breakfast yeah yes yeah, so it was a compliment exactly yeah. it's like yeah no no i think I, I, it is though like yeah no that's yeah. kind of how i feel about a fry so yeah i think that makes sense <laughs> it was a well-meant fry but those cousins did turn out to be racist so <laughs> no. oh, okay fuck them then that's fine if we had known that at the time, we might have hurt their feelings just out of spite. Yeah, at least you you got a fry out of it. We did get a fry out of it, <laughs> and uh, an offer you couldn't refuse, which was a fry. <laughs> oh man, we 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 should probably get back to mm-hmm. this. We we yes, have we should. more of. Oh my god, I'm I'm just like my sympathies are all over the place in this chapter. Like mm-hmm. everyone is just doing so much in this. So on a particular Saturday. Richard and Marianne have got up early and decided on everyone's behalf that they're having a spring cleaning day. Um, Dawn, to her credit, just stares at them and says, in my whole life, I have never spring cleaned. Yeah. Um, And Richard's like, well, there's no time like the present to start. Her mom had plans to go shopping and Richard's like, yeah, well, she can go tomorrow. We're cleaning today. Yes, Richard announces to Sharon that they're all spending their day cleaning and Don says she took it well since she is so laid back. Mm-hmm. If someone announced to me that I was cancelling my plans and spending the day cleaning, it would not end well for them. <laughs> I I have to say, it would make the likelihood of my getting any cleaning done uh, like just banish. Mm-hmm. Even if I had intended to do cleaning after my shopping trip, mm-hmm. those plans would change. Mm-hmm. Because bitch yeah. don't tell me what to do. My plans would involve leaving a lot of dirt everywhere. Yeah. If, my, if I came down and said, I have some shopping to do today, and my husband said, oh, that's great. 
but we're spring cleaning. I would have been like, oh, good luck with that and left. <laughs> Fantastic. I'm delighted to hear you're cleaning. Have fun. Yeah. I'm going shopping like I already told you. Yeah. Like this is, they're, yeah. they're, they're free adults. Also spring cleaning. I mean, I guess that's a good idea, but. I think it's a good idea to do a deep clean every so often. I mean, I don't do it, but I understand <laughs> the concept. But, but. It needs to be consensual, though. You can't, yes. just, like, you can't yes. just force other people to clean. Cleaning is tedious and unpleasant. Non-consensual deep cleaning is, is not okay. No. Not in 2022, it's not. You need verbal explicit consent for this kind of carry-on. <laughs> yeah, Marianne is, again, she's in, like, will passive-aggressively annoy a bitch to death mode. So <laughs> Sharon is... Okay, admittedly, it's very annoying. She's absentmindedly roaming around the house, wiping things with a rag in such a way to knock all all the dirt onto the floor. And Marianne is passive-aggressively following her with the dust buster. The thing is, that's a perfectly valid cleaning technique. You do surfaces first, then you do the floor. Like, not the passive-aggressive wandering, doing it at random, that's annoying. But like... Like, Marianne just needs to get over herself, wait till Sharon is finished doing whatever Sharon's doing, and just do the dusting herself, and then do the floors. Like I I think st- what Sharon is doing is strategic incompetence. Yes, um, absolutely. And she- I think they should have sent her to Washington Mall and got her yeah. out of the way so that yes. whoever wanted to spring clean could spring clean the house, and then she could come home and be like, oh, the house looks so great. I hope you had a good fucking time cleaning the house, which you clearly wanted to do for some reason. <laughs> Okay, that's a bit more passive aggressive than I meant. Thank you for doing this for me. Yeah. I'm, I had a lovely time at the mall. I can really see both sides though, because like Sharon has been informed she's spending her day cleaning and she's yep. like, right, well, I'm not going to make any effort whatsoever. <laughs> and I absolutely feel that. But I also feel Marianne being like, can you make a minimum amount of effort, please? Yeah. At the same time. Yeah, I think I think the key here is not that we blame Sharon for not putting her back into the cleaning. But perhaps she should have communicated this to Richard instead of like passive aggressively, half assed. Yeah, settle no. Maybe just... should have like, no, sorry, um, I'm I'm not doing spring like I I absolutely am not the sort of person who can face a day spring cleaning without at least a week's notice. Let's do it next Saturday when I don't already have plans. Yeah, they've only just moved into this house. Is Richard going to want to spring clean like every six weeks? Spring is an annual thing, Richard. <laughs> To be fair, I would say that there hasn't been any kind of deep clean done in that house for some time. No, not since they moved in. So he's probably just sort of like, no, this just, it's been more than a year since this was done. It kind of needs done. I deep cleaned the smallest room in my house the other day and I'm so happy with it. It's the bathroom under the stairs oh, and yeah. it's it's perfect. And just the amount of time that it took me to do it has made me go, no other part of my house is going to get deep cleaned until Probably until my kids move out. Yeah, that seems fair. Because every so often, there's some rooms, it's not even really a deep clean, I don't call it, but call it that because of how infrequently I do it. Like the rooms that nobody ever goes into, except like me and my husband, like our ensuite. Like, oh, the floor hasn't been swept in months. It's just covered in, there's just dust buddies in all the corners. Ensuites are shame rooms because like, like <laughs> literally only the owner of the house ever goes in there. So like. The sink doesn't get clean. It's where you do the least cleaning. Yeah. I, I, I want my ensuite to be like a place where I'm happy 
but uh, it's it's just marginally bigger than the smaller one under the stairs that people see, so it has not been done. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I'd love a lovely, clean, presentable ensuite, but it's never going to be a priority because it's not public facing. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Like I, all of my cleaning energy needs to go in the rooms that other people see. Exactly. And like, even so, they're not very clean. So <laughs> like, I'm done. Like I swept up the the bits of Christmas tree. We got rid of our Christmas tree like on the 6th of January. Mm-hmm. It was a local sports club that were like you could there was a place that was take a, taking your Christmas trees for like the municipal Christmas tree depository like just down the road from us but then we discovered that a local sports club would take it to that place for you for a tenner Ooh. so I was like oh my god we're paying them a tenner that's the best we don't have to drive five minutes woo that's a clever fundraising idea great yeah. fundraiser oh, i was so good like the galway rowing club got my money um um but the floor of the kitchen was covered in like little bits of dead tree from when oh, we yeah. kind of manhandled it out the door and bits cracked off it it was february when <laughs> i swept those up <laughs> <laughs> you've been busy <laughs> i have been busy but like i also didn't say rick can you sweep those up i was just like I'm too ashamed to do anything about these. He can do it at 6am when he's drinking coffee and reading the paper. <laughs> Rick, Rick, Rick only sees 6am from the other side. <laughs> yeah, I, I do not blame him for that, even though I enjoy reading coffee when it's quiet, but reading co- reading and drinking coffee when it's quiet. But Yeah, I'm the early riser and I get up about nine on weekends. That's what weekends are for when you don't have to get up. Yes. Oh. There's some complex psychology going on in this and really nobody is at their best. No. no. They're just not communicating with each other. They're just making assumptions and giving orders and being passive aggressive instead of having the conversation that they should have had before they ever moved in together. Yes. Oh my God. I think there's a degree as well of people doing their best to be nice to the other people that they have just moved in with and also trying not to make a fuss yes because it's new um and so that that's all going on but it would be much better to say oi do you want this bacon yes here let's explicitly talk about our needs and expectations everyone is sort of trying to anticipate each other's wishes and doing the worst job possible (laughs) they're so different that they are not able to do that at all even slightly and they're just pissing each other off worse and nobody wants to say hey look this doesn't work for me what I do love very, very much is Dawn branching out into just straight up aggression and sabotaging <laughs> Richard's sock system. Yes. Okay, we need to we need to do a deep yes. dive into this. Yeah. Uh, just to get back at Marianne, I tiptoed upstairs to our parents' bedroom. I opened the sock drawer in Richard's bureau. There were neatly matched rows of socks in alphabetical order by colour. I switched a pair of brown socks with a pair of grey ones. I knew it would drive Richard crazy. Then I glanced around the bedroom. It looked like it was being shared by Felix Unger and Oscar Madison, the odd couple. Yay, current pop cultural references. <laughs> so I straightened up mom's messy half of the room. On Richard's neat half, I accidentally dropped a tissue. <laughs> by six o'clock that night, the house was spick and span. The tissue was even gone from the bedroom floor. However, Richard had discovered that his socks were out of order. It had driven him crazy because he thought it was his fault. I love that to get back at Marianne, I gaslit her father. That is Machiavellian. Also, I kind of, I don't think if you have organized your brown socks in rainbow order, you don't, you don't assume that it's your fault. You know that someone is fucking with you and you don't know whether it's your wife or your wife's fucking teenage psychopath daughter. 
That's why I think Richard is upset here. I don't think he thinks it's him. I really like that reading. Yeah. Also, my theory, the alphabetical order of my colour of Richard uh, Richard Spears' socks is um, black, brown, grey. Yeah, obviously. He left out blue. I don't know. Blue sounds a little outre. Blue is for special occasions. Blue is for when he's feeling funky. It's for date nights. Okay, maybe, maybe. In alphabetical order by colour, that is, that's actually crazy. It is. No, I'm sorry, like, like the first you have blue, then you have grey, then you have green. No, I'm sorry. No, I I want to see a gradation of, of dark to light. I prefer, I prefer how he did his shirts. Yes. By colour, <laughs> but not alphabetically, and then lighter to darker within each colour. I'm like, that, that's reasonable. I wouldn't be bothered myself. But it would look real nice when you open the wardrobe. I'm okay with that. Alphabetical by colour. Oh, no, you know what? The fact that Dawn knows this, she has clearly not been like, hey, Richard, I noticed I looked at your socks. Can you talk me through your system here? <laughs> I mean, maybe she should because he'd probably be like, oh, well, here, here's how I do it. But um, like she's gone in and snooped and has recognised what he has done here, which makes no sense at all. So they have the same kind of brain. That's the thing. She joined forces with Richard. They could do so much good or possibly be supervillains together. I don't know. Dawn is canonically a tidy person. Yes. She should be on Richard's side here. (laughs) Yeah, she should just be so happy. I mean, like, I think maybe you would probably always take that alphabetical by colour for your socks is a bit too far. But like, (laughs) she should be really appreciating the drawer dividers and how much easier it makes her life now. Like... Dawn would be sitting there watching that Marie Kondo show on Netflix and just taking so much inspo from it. Yes. She she is so evil because she recognizes this and it it works for her and she recognizes the beauty in it and she has destroyed it. Yeah. Yes. Deliberately because she knows how fucking much it's going to annoy the guy who created it. <laughs> yes, she understands him and she knows how to hurt him. <laughs> and she's not even doing it to hurt him. She's doing it to get back at his daughter. I know. It all did. It put like it left. It left him in a really bad mood. And yes. like her mom is just like, well, I've sort of <laughs> wandered around the house, not really helping today. Uh, let's get Chinese food. <laughs> you could explain this whole scenario to Sharon, and she would have been like, I don't understand what language we're speaking right now. <laughs> yes. What universe is this? That like <laughs> that this makes sense? What is happening? The thing <laughs> is, Marianne is such a fucking wet blanket in this. She probably would be genuinely upset that her dad was upset that his socks were disorganized. <laughs> She'd <laughs> probably cry. Yes, probably. I'd be upset if someone was trying to convince my dad he was insane, <laughs> which is what's actually going on here. And then we have, after the Chinese food, we have, I think, another moment of like, okay, Richard, no, you need to calm down. Just that they were watching a movie, eating Chinese food, and then Richard, when they finished the food, wanted to pause the movie to go clean up. Yeah, that's messed up. That is, my dad has been known to take but to be so eager to get the washing up and clean up done after dinner that he has taken the plate from me before I have finished eating. <laughs> that is a, and to be fair, like, just been like, what the hell are you doing? Sit down. I'm still eating. Stop being ridiculous. And like, everyone in the house was like, what? No, this is too far. Stop it. Um, and told just him. put that food on the table and I'll take the plate away and wash it you just eat off the table like no just they just took it away and I was like but I, I'm dad I'm eating 
Will you shut a vet faster? <laughs> so yeah, Sharon has decided to just check out of this whole cleaning up dispute by being conveniently so engrossed in the movie that she can't get involved. Uh, <laughs> which initially when I read this, I was quite irritated by. And now I think I'd probably do the same thing in her position. It yeah. might still be irritating, but I've just so lost patience with all of these people at this point. And it's like, Dawn does raise the point that like it's a good idea to get the fridge and leftover food into the fridge. But like you could take five minutes to get the food in the fridge and then do the washing up afterwards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. After the movie, like a normal person. Doing the washing up now is ridiculous. She's pausing a movie to wash up in the middle of it. Like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> At this juncture, Tigger helpfully throws up on the rug. <laughs> Tigger has got into the leftover Chinese food. That's my, my theory. <laughs> Tigger has impeccable timing. <laughs> They've been really... So Dawn is particularly passive-aggressive about Tigger because he's a cat doing cat things like having fur. Yeah. And she's like, there's a there's this like pile of fur on Marianne's bed in the spot where he always sleeps because he always sleeps there and he sheds. I'm like, yeah, then it's only in one place. You don't have to worry about it. Yeah, that's much better than a layer all over the place. I have to say, my mum was always really uncomfortable with there are animals in the house and they leave their animal traces everywhere and I just don't like it. So I kind of like, my mum would be like that, not have any animosity towards the pet yeah. She just had never lived in a house with animals in it and was just like, she feels that animal hair is dirt. Yeah. 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 This is how it comes across to her. So when she's in a house where the animals are on the furniture a lot and it's not like, because you've got to really stay on top of that. It's not scrupulously cleaned, which uh, doesn't bother me. She's always just a little bit squicked by it you know she's just like oh it's kind of like being in a dirty room um even when it's like you know not like the likes of the litter train stuff is all fine and it's just normal pet fluff she's just like animals aren't very clean i don't like it Um, so i kind of see where she's coming from just because i grew up with someone who kind of feels like that but also again you knew the man you're marrying had a daughter with a pet cat Mm-hmm. You, this is a conversation you needed to have before moving in together like the cat comes as part of the parcel it's also Richard's cat yeah like it's not just Marianne's cat even though the whole narrative is that it's Marianne's cat but actually the pet belongs to the household like yeah. they live with the house yeah that's how pets work yeah he's your step cat and you have to deal with that like pretending it's Marianne's cat is just like going to introduce more opportunities for you to all fight with each other. Yes. Yeah, basically. So it's and it's now the family's pet. So get the fuck over yourselves. Yeah. I know. If this was going to be like a barrier to entry, you really mm-hmm. need to have had that conversation several months ago. Yes. This is yeah, all people making um optimistic compromises and being like, "Oh no, no, it's going to be fine." Which to be honest, I do that constantly yeah but you also lived with your husband for several years before you married him oh boy yes (laughs) i really strongly recommend doing that yeah (laughs) yeah this is this is wild i like i I cannot believe they did this i Mm -hmm. it's so ill-conceived that it makes me have a little bit of sympathy for sharon's (laughs) parents being like you two should not be together not because they're from opposite sides of the tracks but because they're a bit dim yeah they're not strangers to each other but they've had a very long time like gap in their relationship in which significant family things have happened to both of them and they're they kind of are jumping in in a way sort of expecting to 
pick up their teenage romance. (laughs) I also think it's probably quite a different prospect to go, let's move in together and see how that works out for us when you're 21. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, As when you're like in your whatever 30s or early 40s with teenage kids and a mortgage and all that stuff. I also kind of assumed all along that... Anna and Martin just didn't want to depict people cohabiting before marriage. Yeah. That yeah. either because she was old fashioned or because like it was a different time, um, that would seem a bit edgy. And mm. it was like, okay, maybe even you, the tween reader in 1989 knows that this isn't really realistic, but I can't show you grown-ups living together before marriage. So let's pretend this is a normal way to live. And uh, we'll say no more about it. I think so, to be fair. I do. Um, Almost all the parental marriages in these series as well are people who have previously been married. I think actually Carol might be the exception. So like Dawn's dad, but we don't really know much about her backstory. Maybe she's also like a divorcee or something like that. But there's a, yeah, everybody has like backstory already. (laughs) Yeah. 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 But yeah, I think this is just a kind of weird sort of prudishness. Like, yeah, mm. either on behalf of Scholastic or Anna Martin. Yeah. 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 Anyway, yeah, it's a bad idea. I think yes. we can all agree it's a terrible, this, terrible especially idea. Especially with these particular people. All of these people are intensely annoying. <laughs> I, I, I'm not surprised that Tigger chose the Oriental rug TM <laughs> to throw up on because that is exactly what cats do. Like, yeah. oh no, I have to puke. Will I choose the tile or will I choose the beautiful carpet? Oh God, get me to the carpet quick. <laughs> yeah, oh my God. Like we have a we have a knockoff Turkish rug from Ikea that was 50 euro and we have an actual Turkish rug from <laughs> Turkey that was a wedding present. And guess which one is the only one our cat has ever brought up hairballs on? He has an unerring yep. instinct. He's got expensive tastes. Yes, he has. <laughs> So yeah, we, we, we then cut to a week later when there's a dance on at school um, and everyone's going except for Mallory because she's got the chicken pox, uh, Jessie because she's a seventh grader and Dawn because she hasn't been invited, which is very sad, uh, especially because in a previous dance, Dawn has like cheerfully gone stag, as she put it. Yeah, this is Dawn. I don't care what people think of me. Yeah. Independent California girl. Schaefer. Connecticut is getting to her. I know. <laughs> She's gone wasp. <laughs> She's acclimatizing. No, resist it, Dawn. <laughs> Throw on your Hawaiian shirt and go. <laughs> to be fair, I think the real reason is, as she said, is, is like, I had to, I was looking forward to an evening at home without Marianne. I yeah. honestly think that was part of it. Is She's just like, doesn't even occur to her to look at Gold Stag because she's no. so glad to just get an evening in her house without Marianne. Oh my god. And the way Marianne carries on, who could blame her? Yeah. Marianne is like, help me find something to wear. Uh, when you have a boyfriend, you want to look good for him. What the Ew. fuck, Marianne? And then, yeah, oh my god. Donna goes, maybe you do, but I'd rather find a guy I could be a slobber end. And Marianne says, you probably picked that up from your mom. <laughs> I audibly gasped when I read this. What the fuck, Marianne? And like, like your dad? Who... You can't you can't tell your mom jokes anymore. Like <laughs> your dad you can't do her. that. She you, she married your dad. You're implicated in this whole system, which is a corrupt and terrible system to start with. But like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Dawn does very charitably say, "I really don't think she intended that as an insult. 
She said it while she was frantically taking stuff out of one purse and putting in another. She was just trying to make conversation. So I could see sort of dimly, you're not really paying attention. You're frantically trying to get ready. You hear the word kind of, a guy you could be a slob around and you're like, yeah, Leah, I like your mom. That makes sense. Without kind of thinking about the implications of what you're saying. And you could even, I doubt she means it in a nice way. I think probably yeah. if she had been thinking about it, she wouldn't have said it because she knew it was not intended well. But like, I could see that she wasn't necessarily trying to get a dig in, but they're all bitch eating crackers at the moment. Yes. So when she <laughs> gave voice to a, like an ill-formed thought, it was a bit snarky. Her next remark is definitely an intentional dig, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the bitch-eating crackers thing, we should just clarify, is a concept um, from Captain Awkward, I think. Yeah, which is an advice blog. You're just so done with a particular person for all their previous infringements that um, the, it doesn't matter how innocent the thing is that they are currently doing, it's going to piss you off. So you're like... Look at that bitch over there eating crackers like she owns the place. Yeah. Like and yeah, that's basically that's basically it. It's a it's an incredibly useful concept once you know yeah. that it exists. Because because it, it <laughs> gives a name to a thing we have all felt. Yes. yes. Like that thing of where now this person can do no right because they have previously wronged you and everything <laughs> do is gonna piss you off forever, yep. no matter how nice and good hearted and yeah. innocent and non harmful the thing is. Exactly. What that is not, though, is Marianne swanning out the door going, just try to enjoy the evening, Dawn. Don't think of yourself as someone who can't get a date, okay? It isn't healthy. Yes, no. there is no possibility that Marianne said that by accident because she was distracted. No, no that's just mean. That's just bitch. <laughs> Marianne. Marianne. Yeah, this, this is an unwelcome resurgence of Marianne will cut a bitch with her words. Like, Dawn does have the self-awareness to be like, you know, Marianne will feel like she's a guest in a hotel. This still feels like mine and mom's house and Richard yeah. and Marianne are just here. So, like, Dawn is capable of having some perspective and understanding that this is probably hard for everyone. But. But. <laughs> bitch eating crackers is winning. Yeah. She, she doesn't apply that later on. No. The whole thing. No. Um, and, like, she really should... I think the problem is that there is there are waves of people being just passive aggressive and shitty, followed by waves of people feeling guilty and being nice to each other. Yeah. yeah. Like there's just this this terrible cycle of like so Donna's really pissed off with this, but at the end of the night when Marianne comes home, she's like, Oh god, Donna, I feel really bad about all that stuff. And then they make up and they're like, Oh, but we're sisters again, it's all fine, it's completely fine. Paper over the cracks, paper over. Yeah. Yep. And then nothing gets dealt with until Dawn goes nuclear. <laughs> yes. Yes. I do find it hilarious that Dawn is so naive about this whole thing, though. So Marianne comes home. She tells her about the dance. They bond. Um, they talk about Alan Gray is doing his M&Ms in the eyes trick again. And Christy got mad at him. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then Dawn is like, I began to think of her as my sister again instead of my stepsister. I was very confused. How could we get along so well half the time and be mad at each other the rest of the time? Was this what having a sister was all about? Yes. Yes. Also, welcome to siblings. <laughs> I mean... Yes, why is this surprising to you in any way? She already has a sibling. Yes. She knows this is how it goes. I don't know, maybe <laughs> she thought it would be different if they were both girls, but like... Maybe. You know, why would she think it would be different? Yeah, this is ludicrous 
Uh, yeah, in the meantime, she has rung Jeff in California and got on great with him and decided that this is because they're blood siblings and not step siblings. No, it's because he lives the other side of the continent. Yeah, and because she's known him a lot longer than she's known Marianne. Then she thinks about the fact that the Arnold twins need space from each other sometimes. That very subtle metaphor from the previous book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then she learns nothing from this realisation. Then she hangs up because Richard goes through the phone bill in detail and she doesn't want him to know that she's been running up expensive calls. And I just tagged that with a frowny emoji. <laughs> <laughs> there were definitely occasions in my teenage years when I, it's not so much that somebody goes through the phone bill with a highlighter. It's like, Somebody has to check the phone bill because for some reason it was £895 this month. Oh my God. <laughs> what? It was, it, it came out real bad one particular incident. Our bad one was 240 and the, the highlighters came out every bill since that, since <laughs> for like Even years. after you moved out. <laughs> How did you guys run up 800 I think it was something like 800 Um, I think it was when landline phone call to a mobile was very expensive oh. and I did not realize that oh this was fully my fault oh no <laughs> I was I was told not to do it again and that was kind of the, the end of it my parents were very forbearing oh my god that was kind of how we did our 200 and something euro one but it wasn't that bad we got a 500 and something bill that was entirely my brother's fault and <laughs> then we got a payphone in the house which was fucking excruciating a pyrrhic victory for your dad i feel like <laughs> it was the thing is my parents hated the payphone as much as everyone else it only took 20ps and 50ps and massively overcharged you for anything other than a local call it was absolutely dreadful after a year or two my brother in a genuine accident caught the cable of it his caught his foot in the cable of it and it fell onto the floor and smashed open <laughs> and my parents did a hilarious imitation of people who were angry that their payphone had just been broken <laughs> and were like we're very disappointed in you young man how could you be so careless this is really terrible and then as soon as he left the room like they were practically high-fiving each other <laughs> amazing and no more was said of the payphone it was god it was a fucking albatross around all our necks wow yeah my dad like just went through everything with a highlighter would rant why you're doing this with the internet because it was dial up and you know it was paid for oh, yeah. but wouldn't move to something where you paid 20 pounds a month for the internet because our internet usually came to 18 or 19 pounds a month <laughs> all right and that was it and he was right i guess for unlimited unlimited off peak for 20 pounds like would have just put my mind at ease but no um, instead he would just do the, the highlighter and like he'd start by roaring at us for having a high a high phone bill he'd like go through it he'd sit there and be like the highlighter I want you to go through everyone you've wrong and then I'd be like okay so um, the internet came to this much it's probably mostly me <laughs> and the rest of it was this much um, and it would be like less than a quarter of the phone bill and I would be like there were four of us in the house and I would be like yeah do you want me to give you the money for that now he never asked for the money he just got pissed off when the number was high he never took money and I would just be like well I'm, I'm not going to spend less time on the phone would you like me to give you the money I'm, I'm not going to I'm not going to stop going on the internet so do you want me to pay you for it you're complaining about the cost I, I babysit I, I can afford to pay for it do you want me to and he never said yes because <laughs> he didn't want to take money off me, he could afford to pay the bill. He was just annoyed by big number. 
yeah. big number make me mad. <laughs> and then also he realized that it was him uh, uh, doing golf club business and union business and stuff. His <laughs> mobiles that was taking up um, the bulk of the phone bill. Anyway, we should talk about this book, probably. Yes. All right. We then have another babysitting chapter. We're back at the Pikes. The Pikes are extremely prescient and have invested in a bunch of surgical masks and are making the babysitters wear them. <gasps> yes, there is a mask mandate yes. in this book. Canonically, the babysitters are pro-mask. It was so good to read this. Well, because they twin the triplets of viral pneumonia. I mean, yeah, but like that doesn't fucking stop like- people. This is just sensible. It's very sensible. Yeah, I mean, the babysitters complain about the masks, but they wear them because they know what's good for them. They, they actually work through it specifically as, um, can I just, yeah. Yes. I might add here that Stacy was wearing a surgeon's mask that afternoon. It wasn't her idea. It was Mrs. Pike's and her mother's, but Stacy had gone along with it willingly. She didn't want to catch pneumonia or get the pox back either. And she'd been assured that she wouldn't if she wore the mask, at least while she was indoors. Oh my God, it's like so... I know. This feels so current. This is the most current contemporary resonance of yes. anything that has been in the babysitter's club Right before. down to the person in the mask being someone with an underlying condition. Yes, yes exactly. exactly. Like, it's so cool. It's wonderful. And they're like, yeah, nobody enjoys this, but yeah. we also don't want to get sick, so you just put up with it. Like, Yeah. Meanwhile, Vanessa falls off her bike and gets injured. <laughs> Um, so Stacy arranges for, is it Claudia, I think, to cover for her? Mm-hmm. And they take uh, Vanessa to the doctors, um, driven by Stacy's mom, while Stacy keeps going faster, faster. <laughs> and her mom is like, this isn't an emergency, and I don't actually want to get a speeding ticket. <laughs> very cute. And then Stacy insists on being the one to take Vanessa into the doctor because she's the babysitter and her mom can just sit in the waiting room. My God, I would have been so like, Mom, I don't know what to do. I'll come in with you, but please come in with me. I don't know how this works. Now, Stacy's the grown-up. Marianne has had this situation arise before with Jenny Prezioso, if we recall book number oh, four, yeah. and she has never let any of the other girls re- uh, forget it. <laughs> so Stacy is like, look, I'm going to take it from here. <laughs> yes. this, is, this is my role and no one's going to take it away from me. <laughs> yes. Back off, mom. You can drive and keep quiet. <laughs> so um, the Pikes are continuing to have terrible, terrible luck. Uh, Mrs. Pike, who still hasn't learned to keep her full mouth shut, is like, I don't believe it. Six ailing children. What's going to happen next? <laughs> shut up, Mrs. Pike. Stop saying things. Oh, I love that. Mr. Pike called upstairs. How's everybody doing? Does anyone need anything? Something new to read? Dad, said Mal. Cookies, said Jordan. Grapes, said Adam. A sandwich, said Byron. My sanity, said Mrs. Pike. <laughs> like, yeah, this is not going to be fun. I remember yeah. that line. <laughs> I think the Pikes all being sick is the best thing about this book. So we next have another babysitter's meeting. Everyone is paying club dues into Stacy, and then requesting some funding for various kid kit supplies. Stacy is not happy about having to give the money out. Um, Dawn says if she had her way, the treasury would just keep growing fatter and fatter and fatter. Stacy is definitely wishing she could skim off the top. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Christy is them being adorable. They get a the they get a call and Christy starts enthusing about first job call of the week. I just love the first call. It's sort of an adventure. Who'll be on the other end? What? Then Christy realized she'd better answer the phone. Oh, we'll never know now because they rang out. <laughs> oh dear. It is very cute that she got so excited she went into this whole spiel while the phone was still ringing. It's 
really weird that she would do this instead of just being like, somebody answer the phone. Christy is just like extra wide-eyed this week, I think. Yeah. Just everyone has to get on and, you know, we love the admin. Um, Then it seems that the for sale sign outside Marianne's old house has been taken down. So they're speculating over what will happen. Claudia is hoping that a family full of cute guys will move in. Of course she is. Christy is hoping for a family full of kids to babysit. (laughs) There are two types of people. Yes, exactly. Uh, Then a job comes up babysitting Jenny Prezioso, uh, but Marianne magnanimously gives this to Dawn. And then Dawn's like, hang on, you just don't want to mind Jenny. (laughs) They actually have a laugh over it. So, yes, the situation is slightly defused. But then Marianne and Christy make plans to hang out on the Sunday and Marianne's going to stay over and Dawn is feeling left out and cranky and then wonders if they were meant to be sisters after all. Dun, dun, dun. Being meant to be sisters is not really a thing. You either are or you aren't. No, like you, like, like there isn't destiny. It's just like, yeah. that's where you happen. That's the household you happen to be born yeah. into. Put up with it. You just are sisters. So yeah. get over yourself. And, and that definitely doesn't mean you're friends. And it's, it's not at all like, I wondered if I was meant to be in this relationship with this, yeah, other person. Yes. That's a thing you can wonder if it's meant to be TM- like, yeah. You, you just are sisters. Like, you could be estranged sisters who never talk to each other because you can't stand the sight of each other. Yeah. But, like, ultimately, at some stage, you, you're still, like, related to each other and you were probably raised in the same house. And there's no escaping that. It's just something that happens to you. <laughs> you're not going to go home and say, Mum, Dad, I have something to tell you. You need to get a divorce. <laughs> it's just not working out. One of you has to take each of us. I can't, yeah. I can't live with her anymore. <laughs> I mean, if you could do that, I'd have made my parents divorce to get away from my brother. Like, for sure. <laughs> I think everyone would have everyone who has siblings. Have, yeah. Probably good reason for not doing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Next at home, the girls are trying to do their homework. Um, again, Anna Martin is just hilariously bad at pop culture. So... Dawn wants to put on the radio to help uh, help her to concentrate. She's worried that the radio station, which isn't very good, will be playing a polka festival or something. But it's okay. They have a 50s festival. They're playing Buddy Holly, which all the teens of the late 80s were super into. <laughs> Dawn's wild enthusiasm for the 50s festival is stretching my suspension of disbelief. If it had ever been established before that she likes oldies. Sure. But it hasn't. Actually, I remember they used to, 98FM used to have um, Saturday Night Rock Around the Clock. And they used to play a lot of 50s and 60s. And I used to sometimes turn my radio on on purpose to listen to that in my room when I was like, like in around 1990, like I was seven, eight, nine, Because it was like, I okay. found, the, I found the, the cheesy 60s stuff kind of catchy. I mean, I'm a... Dawn, Dawn is, you know, our independent, she doesn't care what people think, she does her own thing, California Girls, so she could like an unusual music genre. That's true. I yeah. just, yes, I just wish it had ever been mentioned before. Oh god, yeah, no, like, this is literally just because that's the only music that Anna Martin could imagine enjoying as she wrote this. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, we know this. We know this. Yes. So anyway, Marianne wants to work in silence, and Dawn has suddenly found that she is unable to work in silence. Uh, which even she admits is a completely new character trait. <laughs> and they have a big fight and uh, Dawn tells her to go in the guest room. Marianne refuses and Dawn snarks at her for being afraid of the secret passage. 
Um, so the parents come in and each parent takes the other kid's side. Mm. Mm-hmm. They have a dust up, they pick sides, and they have both decided to support the opposite number in order to try and promote some kind of familiar familial harmony, which does not work. Yes, <laughs> obviously not. They are hilariously bad at this. Can I just say that if somebody tried to play music in a room in which I was trying to study, I'd be like, fuck off out of here. <laughs> yeah, I, th- that is my absolute rage trigger. I would <laughs> I would cut a bitch. I would stack up cans to keep them out. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I would scorch the earth. <laughs> yeah. Dawn says she's not throwing Marianne out. Uh, and Marianne says, well, you're the one who wanted me to share your room so badly. And now you're telling me to do my homework in another room. Uh, yes, both of these things are correct. <laughs> yeah, yes. like, you sh- sh- might want to do your homework in another room is not the same thing as you're not allowed to sleep in here anymore. But... Yeah, that's not, this is not your bedroom anymore. I never want to see you in here again. That's, hey, our needs for silence versus radio are incompatible. They're milking this situation for unnecessary maximum drama. They really are. <laughs> I remember this so clearly. This is one of the most intense memories i have of the babysitters club books is this argument wow and them just yeah because like i i do sympathize kind of with like i mean i suppose the desire to have a companion next to you in theory but really you fucking don't (laughs) yeah no not if they're gonna play music while you're like yeah i'm firmly team marianne here Mm -hmm. um but she anyway flounces and decides that she's going to go sleep in the guest room Mm -hmm. uh, which Dawn is furious at because it makes Dawn look bad. Because Dawn was the one who pressured Marianne into sleeping in the same room as her in the first place with the promise of sisterhood and solidarity (laughs) Yes and Dawn decided that the success of their relationship as sisters would stand or fail on whether they shared a room or not which like not all sisters share a room it's fine (laughs) Mm-hmm. You you don't have to. It's mostly about whether you have a room or not. Like it's <laughs> that's literally it. Like generally speaking, if there's the option to not share a room, everyone would prefer to take that one. Yeah, Dawn is in her own head in a lot of very weird ways. <laughs> Meanwhile, all the Pikes are fucking dying. Um, Mrs. Pike has injured herself playing tennis, and Mr. Pike has burned himself making food. Uh. <laughs> So they just need constant babysitters to like feed everybody uh, while wearing surgical masks. So oh, Mallory dear. scrambles literally like a dozen and a half eggs and they have to make yes. vast, vast quantities of toast for everybody. Mallory has completely rallied from her, I need a, I, I need to have a baking soda bath um, situation. And now she is running the house with like military precision. <laughs> yes. She, she greets... Um, Christy at the door when she comes over to babysit uh, and she won't let her in the house until she's wearing a surgical mask. Is there? Is it Christy and somebody else? Yeah. Yeah. Christy's like, do we have to? Do you want pneumonia? Replied Mal. <laughs> let me think it over, said Christy. I could use a break from school. But of course she put her mask on. So did Jesse, because they're not fucking lunatics. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I, I love all the babysitters just like... Modelling responsible behaviour. Exactly. That's exactly what I was looking for. Wonderful. Rolling up their sleeves and presenting at the vaccine centre because they got to get back to the babysitting and they can't do that. Yes, exactly. exactly. It's the right thing to do. (laughs) Uh, I'm also in awe of the fact that Christy and Jesse do seven loads of laundry while they're minding all the pikes. That's so much laundry. So So much laundry. Even when it's like, 
put it in the machine and then put it in the dryer. Which is yeah. going to be what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's so much laundry. That's incredible. It's so... And they fold everything as well. How many... Like, how quick is that washer? American washing machines are really fast. Oh, cool. Compared to ours. Um, yeah. Like, the the one at my grandparents' house, like, it didn't get your stuff as clean, but it would be done in, like, 20 minutes. It was unbelievably fast. Wow. I just want to... I just want to um, salute... Charlie, who has um, been inveigled into this again. Yes. By Christy uh, to assist with the whole Pike situation. So the Pikes need groceries uh, and there is obviously no delivery service at this point. So uh, Christy deploys her blackmailed other, older brother. <laughs> yes. Um, so Christy talked to Charlie into doing the Pikes shopping. She had to agree to pay him for his work, but that was okay. He deserved it. Especially since after he reached the mics, he put on a surgeon's mask and stayed to help my friends cook dinner. Yeah. It's so good. Good guy, Charlie. I was He's really impressed great. with that. Yeah. Good boy. <laughs> I love him. Yeah. Charlie, honestly, Charlie seems like such a good kid. Like, yeah. Like, He's so nice. Yeah. He's going to have like a whole Hallmark movie about him. There's going to be some girl who moves back to Connecticut, to Stony Brook from the big city some Christmas. <gasps> yes. Yes. And yes. like. <laughs> Char- Charlie deserves that. Yeah. She realises that Charlie was what she needed in her life all along. And <gasps> she was wrong to dump him for that investment banker yes. in Stamford. Yes. And she's not even going to realise that he's the, like, now the son of a millionaire <laughs> until like the end of the oh, book. Oh, nice. nice. Oh, that yeah. will be a pleasant surprise in the third act. My stepfather is completely bald and very rich. <laughs> yeah. I like how you that order <laughs> these are the important facts about Watson yeah. and he has three toaster ovens <laughs> oh. oh my god so meanwhile yeah while everyone around at the Pikes house is rallying around and being like very pro-social and wholesome and functional Dawn has just Dawn is spiralling at this point yes. Dawn is the is, is like the antagonist in a way that the the protagonist of like um the movie escapes me now the um the one where he's like a Wall Street guy American the Wolf of Wall Street American no. Psycho American Psycho <laughs> oh, she's right. turned into American sorry okay Dawn has become the prota- the protagonist slash antagonist of American Psycho <laughs> <laughs> amazing <laughs> I was I was just thinking of that song from Crazy Ex Girlfriend I'm the villain of my own story. <laughs> but yeah, I think we're both getting at the same concept here. Yeah, except I, I think John, John feels totally justified. She, she, I think she does, but like she's not. Yeah, Don's dilemma, as she sees it, is that she and Marianne are not cut out to share a room. But Don insisted that they should share a room, and she cannot take the shame of admitting that she was wrong. So she needs to come up with. An elaborate solution to get Marianne into a separate bedroom. Um, did we go through the bit where she consults Christy on this? We were just getting to that. Yes. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Christy yeah. is amazing here. Yeah. I think. I think. I think that the babysitters are all pretty good at these sort of situations when they have some emotional distance from them. <laughs> yes. And then as soon as they're in any way emotionally entangled in the situation, they are selfish sociopaths. Yeah. I'm impressed at Christy's ability to distance herself from this, actually, because yes. Marianne is her best friend. And previously she has had 
some issues with Don. Mm-hmm. Um, so in a way, I suppose it's quite big of Don to go to Christy and say, listen, I need your perspective on this. I need you to help out in this situation. Yeah, I think Christy probably is like taking the perspective on this and able to do it because she's like, well, a president has to do these things sometimes, <laughs> you know? She's being president As your president. <laughs> sometimes people are are their better selves when you appeal to them in a professional capacity than in a personal one. (laughs) So Christy drops some great knowledge on what it's like to be in a blended family and how people need their own space sometimes. And, you know, step parents get awkward and people get weird about boundaries and stuff like that. And Don's like, that was great. Thank you. Uh, I'm glad we had this talk. Then Don proceeds to fucking spiral all over again oh my god Don learns nothing long term he disregards the whole lot Don goes back to the room and fucking ruminates over how <laughs> the room is too messy and crowded and there isn't room for all their stuff and everyone is being awkward and weird and Richard and Sharon are being no good at communicating and Tigger is puking on the rug <laughs> because he's a cat because he's a cat and yeah Don's ego cannot handle the shame of admitting she had an idea that didn't work out. Everybody is just doing the thing that they do naturally but they're doing it in a much smaller space than they used to. Literally that's the only problem here. But yeah Dawn's literal words in this section are so how could I admit that I'd been wrong or did I even have to? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The point where it goes from being like a good sort of soulful teenage um investigation into the nature of in, in personalities and personal interactions and relationships to <laughs> fucking psychodrama. Yeah, like yes. when I read that line as an adult now, I thought, ah, she was about to try to not admit it and then she will learn that admitting it is the right thing to do and she will accept that it's not so bad to have made an honest mistake and this will be accepted and they will learn that communicating honestly with each other is going to serve them much better as a blended family from now on. Ha! I was wrong about that. Yep. Yep. (laughs) That's not what happens. At all. Like, she was so... She had such good insight into the situation. She could see the solutions. The solutions she sees involve honest communication. And Mm -hmm. then she's like, well, not me, though. No. (laughs) I'm going to manipulate my way out of this situation instead. Yeah. Talking about your feelings is so important. You guys should totally do it. I won't be. <laughs> but you go for it. I'll be elsewhere. <laughs> uh, any noises you hear are unrelated to me. I... <laughs> Just to spell it out, Don decides that the solution to all of this is to convince Marianne that the secret passage in their bedroom is in fact totally haunted and this will traumatize Marianne into switching bedrooms. Uh, as Dawn says, I could watch Marianne panic, but no one would know I was the cause of the trouble. Not if I put on the horror show when Mom and Richard weren't around. They'd just think Marianne's imagination had run away with her, and they'd be delighted to see her move into the guest room. That is, like, this is the definition of gaslighting. She explicitly calls out with this that it's not just. I want to get Marianne out of our bedroom without having a difficult conversation with her. It is also, furthermore, I could take revenge on her without her knowing it. She explicitly yes. wants to frighten and hurt Marianne because she's pissed off with her about stuff like 
all the stinky things you've done. <laughs> yes. Stinky. Yeah, that's a real grown-up term for... I'm taking this to imply that Marianne farts a lot in their shared room. <laughs> you know, getting me in trouble with mom, complaining about mom's food, following mom around with a dustbuster, getting chummy with Christy and leaving me out of things... Catching mom's bouquet. How dare she have like manual dexterity. She grew extra arms. Taking the job at the Perkinses. And pitying me for not having a boyfriend, which is the last on the list. And some of that stuff, like Marianne did in a bad spirited way, it was meant mm-hmm. to be hurtful. And some of that stuff is just like, what? That's just no. a coincidence. Yeah, yeah. like Marianne was just living. Stop it. But <laughs> yeah. like, the thing is, it's like, I really was like, okay, at the start when she was like, oh, I could fool her into thinking the, the secret passage or something. I was like, I mean, that's like really is the coward's way out. Um, but, you know, I can see if you really want to avoid having the awkward conversation. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, that is a way you can do it. And it's not necessarily ill-intentioned. It's cowardly, but not you're not trying to cause harm. And then I read the next sentence. It's like, and it's going to be vengeance. And it's like, the <laughs> fuck? Yes. Okay, she's causing harm. At this point, I was still really expecting the narrative to not be back and done up here. It's setting up for a comeuppance and then there just isn't yeah. one. And she's she's saying the quiet part loud and the loud part quiet. Like the vengeance <laughs> is just front and centre. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> You're supposed, you could maybe admit to it later, guiltily, that this was kind of yeah. what it was about. Um. But you don't just be like, hey, I'm going to get some revenge. Isn't that cool? And then yeah. it works. That that also is violating a law of narrative where you don't like tell your plan and then have it work. Yes. If you if you tell the plan in advance, if you give the details of it, then it has to go wrong. Yes. Like there has to be different. The things. only reason to tell the plan is so that the reader can tell what's gone wrong when it doesn't go according to plan. But it works flawlessly. Yes, yeah. exactly. If if the if it's gonna go according to plan, then you you go you cut to whisper, 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 and then you enact it. <laughs> exactly. You, you, I, you, I love Lucy because it's more fun that way. Which is actually making me think now. I wonder if this was actually intended to have another couple of chapters at the end of Maybe. Dawn getting some kind of a comeuppance, it being found out. They have a showdown in the secret passage where Marianne is like, what's your fucking problem? Or even just like it slips out, gets out somehow. They realize what's happened and the parents sit her down and have a like, look, yeah. we know we need to work definitely as a family, but you can't do this stuff. That makes it worse. We have to be honest with each other. And that includes you. Yeah. And then there wasn't enough time and word count. And there's when, oh, hell, we'll just leave this with this terrible message. And bad narrative. We could have had fewer pike injuries and a <laughs> humiliating denouement for Dawn. My sense is that Anna Martin kind of wanted Dawn to have her fun. Yeah. Like it's literally just the spooky stuff is for the crack. Yeah. And then it kind of all works out and it's fine. Um, And like if I was Dawn, that is how I would want it to work it out. But Dawn is the villain here. Yeah. <laughs> yes. There absolutely. is no doubt. Can I just actually call attention before I move off this? Um... Not if I put on the horror show when mom and Richard weren't around. Like, I don't think Anna Martin is deliberately referencing A Clockwork Orange. But that word horror show is really, like, it's really intrinsically yeah associated with A Clockwork Orange. Oh, God. Is that what, did you read it and just kind of accidentally pull that up? I think it's probably, I think it is probably she's literally putting on a show involving a ghost. I mean, yes. Probably wasn't 
certainly consciously in her mind. I'm sure it wasn't consciously in her mind, but but like it is hilarious if it was unconsciously. But I love that it references it, and I love that it makes us think of it. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's so appropriate for Dawn's descent into sociopathy. I don't think Anna Martin is deliberately referencing it, but I could, I would believe that Dawn might have read it in the last yeah. couple of years before these, this happens. <laughs> these girls have gritty tastes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> they're reading Stephen King they can absolutely be reading The yeah. Clockwork Orange <laughs> yeah. just yeah. to get into the details of Dawn's plan so she Richard and Sharon go out on a date to get away from their insufferable teen daughters <laughs> Yes. Dawn fakes a babysitting emergency at the Pikes sneaks into the secret passageway um, while Marianne is in the bedroom doing her homework throws a bunch of acorns at the door to make rattly noises Um then waves a saw around to make wow noises. Very premeditated. Oh, I have this saw that makes creepy noises. This is actually so clever. <laughs> like the whole thing is a great how-to. Yeah. <laughs> how to gaslight someone. <laughs> then she plays the sound effects tape with howling winds. <laughs> Which like, that's not the scariest noise. Like, oh God, there's rattling. There's something. It is if you hear it from far away. Because it sounds like sh- distant shrieking or something. I suppose, but yeah. like, oh no, weather. <laughs> of all of those sounds, when you know it's not windy out, that's the one that would be weirdest to hear because it kind of sounds like voices. I distant guess, shrieking, preternatural voices. Yeah. Yes, yeah. it's setting a scene. Then she um, rings the doorbell and runs away. And while Marianne is... Um, answering the door she leaves a very realistic looking silk rose on top of Marianne's homework uh, and then hides again um, she then like runs through the routine again and next time she rings the doorbell and runs away she leaves a dried out chicken bone on Marianne's notebook that looks like a finger bone which legitimately terrifies Marianne I, I was terrified reading this I was like, how could you do this to somebody that you pretend to love who is your family member? I know. (laughs) It's really messed up. So messed up. The length she went to. Yeah. Like faking the call. Sourcing a bone. She's a vegetarian. Yeah. (laughs) uh, Then she rings the the bell a third time and then like hides the rose and the bone uh, so that Marianne can't prove they were ever there. And then turns up at the door and is like oh hi I'm finished babysitting how was your evening uh, and Marianne is like freak the fuck out uh, think, uh, assumes that Jared Mulray left her the rose and the bone uh, but now they've disappeared so she can't prove it and Dawn's all oh yeah sure I believe you ha 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 you're clearly losing it Marianne yeah Dawn for the first time ever says to Marianne the passage is not haunted yeah, yeah. fuck you Just- Dawn fucking gaslighting yes. you are the one who has always been like but it's probably Jared Mulray even though I have no evidence whatsoever if Dawn hadn't faked this if someone else had faked this and Marianne and I'm like I'd be like the noises I was hearing and there was a rose and a finger bone and they vanished Dawn would just be like oh my god yes tell me all about it this is huge let's hold a seance right now yeah mm-hmm. and then the most fucked up thing of all is that then Dawn emotionally and sensitively gifts Marianne the now we're really sisters present that she was saving up for, which is the little cat pin that Marianne previously wanted to buy for Sharon. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, of course Marianne cried when she opened it, but that was okay. I wouldn't expect anything else from my sister. This is fucked up. It really is. It's fucking flowers in the attic. Like, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> concepts of sisterhood, to be quite frank. Like, <laughs> God, I'm really glad it didn't take that kind of a turn. <laughs> I haven't actually, I haven't actually read it. Um, I know there's a load of like there's sibling There's a lot of incest. <laughs> no, okay. There's so much incest. Sorry, I've retracted that bit. Um, but it's, it is like siblings confined in a small space doing psychological things to each other. It's so messed up. Like, oh yeah, I, I spent a whole evening torturing you and now I give you a gift and I expect the reader to be touched by this scene of me giving you a gift. Yeah. Even though it's just part of an elaborate psychological warfare. I was sorry I'd scared Marianne so badly, but I knew I'd done the right thing. No! And when Mom and Richard came home, they would convince Marianne that there was no ghost and that her imagination was just working overtime. Eventually she would believe them and forget the whole instant because my sister is on an intellectual level with a fungus. <laughs> and I just want her out of my room by any means possible. Bar an honest conversation. Now that I have done this, I feel more confident that I can get her to do shit. Like she does in my head instead of the way that she keeps insisting on having free will. Like, <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with Dawn? <laughs> also, I gave her a present because I'm a good sister. I'm the good sister. Yeah. I'm a lovely, good sister. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's just like a creepy music box playing in the background. <laughs> yes. Just imagine that for us. Like... Playing a nursery rhyme. <laughs> I know we've often been like, wow, everyone was their worst selves at the end of a book, but like, Usually, the terrible behavior is not rewarded by the narrative. Yes. This is actually the worst thing yeah. that I've seen in these books. I yeah. I remain utterly horrified. And Dawn was just like, I've done the right thing. Like, on what yeah. fucking planet? Is that the right thing? The only possible excuse I can come up for this is if you had framed it differently, where they were both equally implicated in the attempt to be sisters mm -hmm. um, and where you were coming up with a pretext for them to be able to go their separate ways without either of them losing face mm -hmm. that's actually not what this is though no <laughs> i kind of at first i thought that it was going to be like that and then she was all like aha revenge and mm -hmm. you know and it had never it had always been her pressuring marianne into yes, sharing literally, room anyway always like yeah, it just... She is it... punishing Marianne for her own mistakes. Yes. She's really just like, I can. I need to put Marianne in a situation where I can get her to yeah. do what yeah. I want. Because I'm I'm really used to having an awful lot of power. Yeah. <laughs> and I kind of don't feel like I have that anymore. And Marianne is putting up the biggest fight against me and what I want. So I'm kind of like... <laughs> and gaslighting Richard with his socks worked out so well. I don't want to escalate. <laughs> I just, I can't believe that... that book got published like <laughs> it, know. with that as the like wholesome ending i know it really thoroughly feels like she should have got caught in the act of doing this and told yes you need some therapy and also don't do this again yeah. <laughs> there should have been embarrassment and confessions and apologies and instead we get christy talking about how smart her ass is yes <laughs> it's just just such a weird thing to be left there like it's normal. So weird. Like, yeah, this is this is how you deal with um awkward 
awkward blended family dynamics. You gaslight people. Yep. So yeah, to wrap up, they have another meeting. Um, yes, Claudia is doing headstands to try and get extra blood into her head to make her brain smarter. And Christy speculates that she having sat around all day may now have a very smart arse. <laughs> And Claudia, like, sits back up and goes, oh, I'm just lightheaded. Is this how it feels to be a genius? And Janine from the next room goes, no, which cracked me up. <laughs> yes. Good woman, Janine. Marianne is, has now moved into the guest room and the girls are getting on great. <gasps> Dawn got everything she wanted. Mm-hmm. So it's, this isn't actually quite done yet. There's a scene which I have to, like, we, I, I just have to be angry about. Go yeah. for it. Go for it. <laughs> Where, um... They all decide to finally sit down and have the very belated conversation at which they talk about things like, some of us are fucking vegetarians in case you didn't notice. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also, we need to have a better chore rota so it's not just one person doing it. So that's all well and good and healthy. Yeah. Um, so uh, Richard proposes the chores. Um, Sharon talks about the food. Um, she makes the important point that says... Uh, Ordinarily, I don't like the idea of two different menus for one meal, but I don't see any way around this. Our eating habits are radically different and no one wants to change. Good. Yeah, that's yeah, that's, that's, that's the conversation you should have before you moved in together. That's great. This is basic housemate stuff. This is not even marriage stuff. This is just flatmate etiquette. Yeah. But then Dawn decides to put her spoke in mm-hmm. and she starts with, um, I have one more suggestion. Uh, yes, said mom encouragingly. I think we should all be more honest with each other. Yes! Fucking what, Don? We should stop trying to please each other so much. We're going along with things we don't like or believe in or with things that annoy us just to please each other and it isn't working. And then she spells out the whole thing about how um, Sharon is pretending that she likes bacon even though everybody knows she doesn't. Um, And Marianne is cleaning up after Sharon instead of telling her to sort her own shit out. And, you know... And then she says, I knew and so did Marianne that we shouldn't be sharing a room, but we kept forcing ourselves to try to make it work. I almost let the cat out of the bag about the ghost just then, but luckily I kept my mouth shut. Marianne would be mortified if she knew what I'd done, and I didn't want to hurt her. Oh, Dawn, you sociopath. Go fuck yourself, Dawn. As a 13-year-old, if somebody had convinced me there was a ghost in the house and then owned up to being the ghost, I would be like... Thank you so much for telling me I don't have to live in a house with a fucking ghost. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, I don't care what you did. <laughs> but no, she's going to she's gonna keep her sister in a state of terror. Yes, as far as Marianne knows, she's being wooed by a horny ghost. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, so they all think Dawn's suggestions are really good and that um, they should... These are these are all useful ideas going forward and they will try to respect each other's fucking boundaries. And the thing is, like, they fucking are. It's just that she's a total friggin' hypocrite. Yeah. Uh, yes. And everyone's like, yeah, Dawn, you're so full of insight. That's great. After that evening, things got better quickly. We really did make up a list of chores and we stuck to it. And we really did start being more honest with each other. Like, okay, yeah, like, just smooth over how that happens because that's super easy. Yeah, like, they that conversation, that should have been, like, something that, like, the parents said to Dawn after Dawn got caught trying to gaslight Marianne instead of having a fucking conversation with her. Uh, yes. Like, what the hell? Like, why? Just rewrite the last four chapters, please, Anne. 
Yeah. They're bad and you should feel bad. They've been a matter of public record since like 1990 or something. But <laughs> like, but I, <laughs> but I, I will say like as a, a young person in the early 90s, I thought this was bad. Yeah. <laughs> and that Dawn should not have been behaving in this manner. And that it was kind of out of character for Dawn as well. Yeah. Yeah, she's not really malicious like this normally, but like... Jones always struck me as the person who will have the awkward conversation. Yes. Yeah, why not have the awkward conversation? You don't have to have a whole, like... Elaborate web of lies. Or you can have the elaborate web of lies and then get caught out so everyone can enjoy you doing it. <laughs> I could see Claudia doing that. I could even... I could definitely see Marianne <laughs> yeah. doing an elaborate <laughs> web of lies instead of a, an awkward conversation. Yeah. Mm. But like... Like, yeah, it's, it's out of character and yeah, she's just... This is just not what you expect from Kidlet. Like, there's, there, there is a social contract. Yeah, where's the wholesome moral? Why is the wholesome moral just gaslight your way out of this? <laughs> You'll get everything you want and then people will think you're nice. Yeah. Did you guys spot um, in the UK covers blog, mm-hmm. um, the, the author of the blog doesn't often put up much commentary, but... Uh, along with this UK cover, they put up just the one line. As a general rule, if the cover says a certain character is bad slash mean slash horrible, it's actually the babysitter who's that. <laughs> yep. That's extremely true. Oh yeah, I want to give them a shout out actually. Um, it's bscukcovers.wordpress.com. Yep, they're great. Where they have uploaded a ton of the UK covers and um, yeah, that is where we get our images from the Instagram and they are doing the Lord's work. It's brilliant. Yeah, once once <laughs> once we run out of their, their covers, we are going to have a real hard time finding the UK ones in anything because they, they there's tiny, tiny postage stamp size images, low res on them online. And this yeah. blog is brilliant. It is what we're looking at as we bitch about the covers in detail every week. Yes. They have almost everything, actually, I think. If you're out there, mystery blogger, we love you. They have yes. tons of them, yeah. Um, they're fantastic. Uh, please go look, because those covers are so bad. You're going to love them. You're gonna, <laughs> yeah, legendarily bad. You're going you're gonna to see what we mean about, like, you know, 50-year-old who's had a tough life, Christy the Bridesmaid, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, like, whatever. Don't rely on our descriptions, because, like, we can't do them justice. These no. pictures are really hideous. Especially the early ones who are just the author did or the, uh, the artist just was not really sure what a human face looked like. Those are the best. There's like almost nothing in the way of outfits in this book. There's some leggings. There is some yeah. leggings. And there's obviously the brown socks and the grey socks. Yes. Oh yeah, we have Claudia wears funky stuff like pink sparkly high-topped sneakers or short flared skirts over skin-tight leggings or wild jewellery she's made herself. These are all extremely, like, mild. They're just like, you're just describing the 80s, okay? Yeah. I was also like, skin-tight leggings as opposed to... Baggy leggings. Wrinkly baggy ones. Baggy leggings are just called trousers. Yeah, Yeah. there's there's a different thing if they're not skin-tight. Yeah. Leggings are tight, it's their defining feature. We are intriguingly told that Marianne owns a jumpsuit. Uh, she yes. says that the last time she went to a dance, she wore her green jumpsuit. <laughs> this time she's borrowing some stuff off Dawn. Um, and that's like pretty much it. It's very low on fashion. Um, Karen, I think I know the answer to this question. <laughs> <laughs> but... <laughs> Do you think everyone was terrible in this? So... Christy was pretty good. Christy was great. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Christy. Um, most people are 
being some variety of their normal self. Uh, the two sisters in this are both being pretty terrible, but Dawn is like, Dawn is being really, really bad. Marianne is kind of being a dick too, but like she's being Marianne at her worst as opposed to like, I agree with Aoife, this is the worst thing we've seen in the, the books really. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we, we saw Marianne like thoroughly fat shaming. Yeah. People. Oh, we should do like a, um, a composite episode at some point where we're just like, okay, what's like the 10 worst things we've seen people do? Ooh, we definitely like, should. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, that'd be great. I love it. I think this might be number one. I like, I remember this clearly from my childhood as like a, a violation of the social contract in ways that I couldn't verbalize or understand. I, I think it's like the other, some of the other stuff is just like, you know, you're failing in the exact same way that society fails. Like the fat shaming, not being called out, the junior misogyny, that kind of thing. Yes, um, yeah. yes. But usually if someone acts like a terrible, terrible person, the narrative calls them out or you can see the justification that the narrative is trying to put onto it as to why you would do it this way. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, OK, well, I don't think it was actually a good thing, but I I see where you're coming from. Mm, Whereas with yeah. this, it's like it literally says it's for revenge. John literally gives the like lovely speech and everyone is, is heart touched out about how everyone needs to be honest with each other and just acts the complete opposite. It's 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 terrifying. Yeah, it's, it's perverse. It would be very different as a standalone novel. It would be a psychologically complex teen drama. <laughs> yes. But this is just book number 31 out of a series in which mostly they behave in the ways you expect. And bad behaviour is punished and good behaviour is rewarded. Yeah. And not by by each other, by the yeah. other people. It's not like there's some kind of like, oh. Yeah, they don't get divinely smited. They don't get divine, divinely sm- smited. smited. Yeah, they don't get sm- smote. <laughs> smote. <laughs> just like being in they love. just get caught and get detention or whatever. Yeah. Um, like, but like, clearly. And learn le- they learn a lesson from it. They learn that like the thing that they did wasn't the right way to handle the situation and that they should have generally been honest and all we learned here is that gaslighting is the way to getting everything your heart desires gaslight gatekeep girl boss don't that that's how you do this (laughs) exactly i really feel like yeah like it should have been a slightly different book but anna martin was like oh but this is so fun (laughs) <laughs> I just enjoy the secret passage thing so much. She just felt like being bad this time. I think Anna Martin just briefly decided she wanted to write Jessica Wakefield. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Yeah, this is Jessica Wakefield from her own perspective because I don't think we ever really, we never really get a full narrative that's Jessica explaining her reasoning. It's more like a, a, a omniscient narrator going, yeah. well, here's some people who are good and some people, or sort of people who are acceptable and some people who are bad. Yeah. <laughs> <That's the one>. <laughs> um, <laughs> people who are like, uh, like third wave capitalism, but whatever. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> and it, but this is, it, it, this is like full on the perspective of Dawn going, well, now here, Here's why I used to, why I dug a big hole in the ground and put people into it so that I could make them put lotion on their skin uh, and, you know, harvest them later on. Like, yes. this is, this is my reasoning. It's perfectly, when you understand where I'm coming from, you know, you know what the, the point is. Here are my perfectly reasonable justifications for this. I mean, yeah. if you think about it, this was really the right thing to do. She says that several times. Yeah. 
fucking so troubling. Yeah. Sinister. I, I think, yeah, <laughs> Anne just wanted to write a thriller, I guess. <laughs> I can have little a psychological manipulation as a treat. This left me discomforted. Like, yes. babysitter's club books are not supposed to leave you discomforted. It is supposed to be the opposite. You're supposed to have a warm, cozy blanket of shiny red reset button after every book, knowing that life will carry on in Stony Brook and everything will be pretty much the same. And instead, I'm just looking at this going, I really hope there's no continuity from this because I don't want to read more books about Don being a sociopath. One was more than enough. I'm done. <laughs> came to Stony Brook. Do we have to keep this in mind as we go forward that Dawn may actually like bury a body in the woods and come back and be like no but I had a good reason for doing it. (laughs) (laughs) There's no going back from this. Yeah this was challenging. I mean if you think about it if I hadn't murdered her I might have had to hurt her feelings so really it was the right thing to do. (laughs) Or admit that I previously made a lapse in judgment. (laughs) No one's gonna do that. So see when Dawn is up against Christy she can't back down because she can't admit fault or weakness in front yeah. of Christy uh, no. over Marianne, who is kind of Dawn's lawful prey, right? <laughs> but also Christy's best friend. So <laughs> so Dawn has to maintain this level of control over Marianne. Oh my God, I feel like I'm coming up with a plot for like the new Saw movie or something. <laughs> Can we move on? This is terrible. Yeah, let's, 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 let's wrap up because... I think we've made our feelings on this matter <laughs> extremely clear. I think we just, we had a lot of emotions that we needed to give voice <laughs> to, to be honest. We've been repressing this for three weeks, waiting to get together yeah. and just... I've been repressing this since I was about eight or nine. <laughs> yeah. Well, I so... hope this has been cathartic for you. And like, we, in order to break the curse, we're, we're recording this on a completely different day of the week than normal. That's, yes. that's how much we really just needed to get this book done we have upended our family's schedules <laughs> jared mulray was just like no dawn is my champion you cannot <laughs> yeah you're not allowed <laughs> to smirch her you're not allowed to smirch dawn you can't record this show but damn it jared we're recording it you've done it <laughs> you take that we're doing this on friday in your bony face jared <laughs> okay you guys oh my god all right next up is um an issue book uh which will be Oh, yay. <laughs> trouble, no doubt troubling in a whole other set of ways. We have number 32 next, Christy and the Secret of Susan. Uh, hey, everyone. This is Esther dropping in from the future to say that actually we did not do an episode on Christy and the Secret of Susan because we fucking hated that book. Uh, so if you're reading along with us, uh, just skip ahead to the next book, Claudia and the Great Search, and that'll be our next episode. Bye. In the meantime, um, hit us up on the social. Uh, we are on Twitter as a podcast. Don, Karen is upset. We're on I'm Facebook. fine, Esther. I'm fine. <laughs> Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr is the podcast at Don's House, and we can be reached at the podcast at Don's House at gmail dot com. And we love to hear from you. Um, also, please uh, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And uh, in conclusion, yeah, all we can say is. Gaslight Gatekeep Girl Boss. A 
I'm sorry. I actually have found since I've had COVID, my verbal reasoning is way worse. Oh no. <laughs> trying to come up with synonyms. I'm like, oh no. Dawn bad. Dawn real bad. <laughs> Agreed.